reading Psalm 17 from the Holy Bible, King James Version. Hear the right, O Lord. Attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goes not out of feigned lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved my heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shall find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of the lips, I have kept it kept me from the path of destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy path, that my footsteps sleep not. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me. O God, incline thy ear unto me, and hear my speech. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou, that thou savest to thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye, and hide me under the shadow of thy wings. From the wicked that oppress me, from the deadly enemies you can pass me about. They are enclosed in their own fat with their own mouth. They speak proudly. They have not compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes growing down onto the earth. Like a lion that is greedy of his prey, and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him and cast him down. Deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. From men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world which thou hast their portion in this life, and whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasure, thy are full of the children, and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. Amen and amen. Now we go to Psalm 47, please. Psalm 47. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loves, Salah. God is gone up with a shout. The Lord will, with the sound of a trumpet, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises unto our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing you praises with understanding. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. Amen. Now we go to Psalm 77. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. 
In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remember God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou holdest my eyes walking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast us off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Salah. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy works and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great? A God is our God. Thou art the God that does wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among thy people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people. The sons of Jacob and Joseph. Salah. The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water, the sky sent out a sound, thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven, the lightnings lighted the world, the earth trembled and shook. Thy ways in the sea and thy path is in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leadest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Praise be to God. Page 97. The Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burning up his enemies round about. His lightning enlightened the world. The earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all that they serve graven images, that boast himself of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion heard and was glad. And the daughters of Judah rejoices because of thy judgments. O Lord, for thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. You that love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the soul of his saints. He delivered them out of the land of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous. And give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Amen.
Psalm 127. Except the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. The, except the Lord keepeth the city, the watchman walketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of the mighty man, so are children of thy youth. Happy is the man that hath his cover full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with thy enemies in thy gate. A reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 17. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praise be to God. Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifice with strife. A wise servant shall have rule over his son that causes shame and shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. A wicked doer giveth heed to his false lips, and a liar give ear to a naughty tongue. Whoso mocketh the poor reproaches his maker, and he that is glad of calamity shall not be unpunished. Children's children are the crown of all men, and the glory of children are their fathers. Excellent speech be covered not a fool, much less do lying lips a prince. A gift is a precious stone in the eyes of him that has it, whithersoever he turneth, it prospers. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeated a matter separated very friends. A reproof enter more into the wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. An evil man seeketh only rebellion, therefore a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. Let a bear rob of her wealth meet a man, rather than a fool in his folly. Whoso rewarded evil for good, evil shall not depart from his house. The beginning of strife is that which one let it out of water. Therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. He that justify the wicked, and he that condemneth the just, even thy both are abomination to the Lord. Wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom, seeing he has no heart of it? A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A man void of understanding, stricken hands that become a surety in the presence of his friend. He loveth transgressions that loveth strife, and he that exalted his gate seeketh destruction. He that has a forward heart findeth no good, and he that has a perverse tongue falleth into mischief. He that begetteth a fool does it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A wicked man takes a gift out of the bosom to pervert the ways of judgment. Wisdom is before him that has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. 
A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bore him. Also to punish the just is not good, nor to strike princes for equity. He that has knowledge spare his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lip is esteemed a man of understanding. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. great but but many times people have been praying before they get to a meeting and and how do you pray i've had people say to me well i stay at home and i worship all the time and i read my bible well that's good but there is a way of praying that brings results okay so i want to talk to people who've got problems who might be sick or you might be demonized. My primary focus tonight is on those who are sick, okay? And you might know people who are sick and you've been praying for them, how to pray effectively for those who are sick. Now you have to understand that very often, not all the time, but very often sickness is caused by demons. So those same demons that make someone deaf or lame, or blind, or whatever, those same demons can put thoughts into people's minds. And even if the sickness is not demonic, sometimes demons are at work using that sickness in the person's mind. Okay? So, if someone is sick, it does not mean that they are not loved by God. You can be sick and be a friend of God. You can be sick and it not be your fault. So when someone's sick, we need to assure them, and you need to be assured if if you're unwell, that you are loved by God. That God loves you. And the Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Secondly, if you're sick, you need to make up your mind in your heart what is God's will for you. The Bible is clear. It is His will to heal you. You are loved by God and God does not want you suffering in sickness. Okay? So it is God's will to heal. And his word is his will. Okay? The wife and the man brought a little boy up. He was about five years old. He suffered from autism. And I said to the father, do you believe? Remember, Jesus said to the father of the boy with the demon, do you believe? 
And he said, well, he said, if it's God's will, if it's God's will, I, I told him off. I said, of course it's God's will. Please sit down and get it right in your heart. Amen. And then we'll pray for your son. So he sat there and the Holy Spirit gave him a revelation that it is not God's will that you be sick. It is God's will to heal you. And he stood up and he said, yes, I believe. And with that, the little boy felt the hand of an angel on his, on his shoulder. He saw into heaven and saw a man with a white t-shirt with something gold. And he saw a golden castle, the New Jerusalem. And with that, he fell down asleep. He lay down asleep. He had a lot of autistic problems. He couldn't talk very well. He couldn't follow instructions. He couldn't dress himself. He had to be bathed. Um, behavioral problems. And about five, ten minutes later, he woke up and he was healed. Amen. And the parents came back and testified. Yep. The healing was released with the faith of the father. Mm. The mother had faith. When the father chose to believe, God's healing power was released on the little boy. That's Amen. what I believe. Yeah. So, what you believe in your heart is what you believe is God's will. People say, well, I know God can do it. And my reply is, Satan knows better than you that God can do it. Yeah. But do you believe? Mm. Well, I believe he can do it. And the Bible says, the demons believe and tremble. Mm. It has to be a personal faith in your heart mm. that Jesus Christ will heal. Mm. Okay? Praise God. Now when we pray, there's a type of prayer that's effective. And in James chapter 5, it's called the prayer of faith. Yeah. The Bible says in James 5, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him in faith. Let them pray the prayer of faith over him in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is believing that God will do right now what he has promised in the word of God. Now when I say right now, the Bible says now is the day of salvation. Now is acceptable time. A thousand days here are as a day in the courts of the Lord. So when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're going up into the heavenly realm because faith connects you with heaven. Faith, and only faith, connects you with God. So as faith takes you up, you enter into eternal time. And faith says, now is my day. Faith is never tomorrow. The manifestation, the timing in human time 
is up to God. But I believe now is the day, is the acceptable time. Okay? So faith is not, well, I know he can. Faith is God loves me. He's faithful to his word. He has promised healing. He said, I am the Lord your healer. So I believe it. Okay? So when, you know, someone's in pain or they're tormented by demons, faith, the prayer of faith, here's a simple way of praying in faith. Father, I ask that you heal me. I believe that you are doing it now. This is my prayer of faith. This is what I believe in my heart so I do not doubt. This is what I accept. I believe the promises of your word. By his stripes I have been healed. This is what I accept. I praise you right now that you are healing me. I thank you and praise you by faith in Jesus' mighty name. And then to continue and persevere in faith. Don't ask why. Just say, I believe. Things happen in life. And you may not get an explanation from God. There was an elderly Indian woman in Auckland and the pastor took me to see her in the hospital. And she's lying there and she's very, very unwell, maybe life-threatening from asthma. And she's wearing the oxygen and she says to me, I have been, I have served God, I've served in the church, I've been a Christian for many years, for decades. Why has this happened to me? I said, sister, don't ask why, just say, I believe. You see, in life, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. This world is cursed. In heaven there's no trouble, there's no problems. The Bible says that in heaven there's no death, there's no pain, there's no tears. He said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Stuff happens in this life. And, you know, sometimes people come up and they say, you know, pray for me, you know. Uh, I don't know why I've got this. I don't know how this was caused. Stop asking why and look to Jesus. He is the Word of God. So in your prayers, give your brain a rest. Give your brain a rest. Stop trying to work out life. And be at peace. Yeah. Rejoice. He has overcome your problems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now, the thing about faith is that faith requires persistence. Yeah. Many times people who receive an instant miracle have been persisting in faith sometimes for years yeah. or weeks or months. And there are others where God is just merciful. They don't know anything about God. They might be from another religion. And God just, bang, heals them because he's merciful. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. So 
when when things don't change, you've been praying and praying and things don't change, don't give up. Amen. Now turn to the person beside you and say, don't give up. You know, you might be in terrible pain and Satan's attacking your thinking. All hell is being released against you. Don't give up. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, having done all, stand. Just stand. You know, sometimes I invite people to be, to be helpers like Jim. But Jim didn't do a lot of praying. He just came, followed me around. The Holy Spirit was speaking to him through every person. But sometimes the Lord will say to me, just get the person to stand. And they think, well, aren't I supposed to be doing something? Shouldn't I go and lay hands on the person that we're praying for? No, just stand. Having done all, stand. It's a stand of faith. You know? And this applies to all of life. Don't let down your shield of faith. You might be needing that job. You might be looking at, at debt. You might be looking at family, children problems, marriage problems. Having done all, stand. Just stand in faith. The most mature type of faith is the one that won't give up. You know, Jacob knew his brother Esau was coming with 400 armed men to destroy him because Esau wanted to kill him because Jacob had deceived him, stolen his birthright, stolen his blessing. Now he was coming to kill him. And Jacob met with an angel of the Lord and he wrestled with him all night. And sometimes it's like that. We're wrestling with God over our problems. And he wrestled with him all night. And the dawn was coming. And the angel said, the dawn is coming, let me go. And he said, Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. Now look at Job. Through no fault of Job, Satan attacked him. Sometimes through no fault of your own, the enemy comes in and attacks you. And first of all, all of his sons and daughters died. And he lost all his camels and his flocks and his cattle and his donkeys. He was one of the wealthiest men at bang. And one day it was all gone. And then uh, Satan comes back to God. And God says, see my servant, he's still faithful. And then Satan says, skin for skin. So then Satan comes and attacks Job's skin. And he's got boils all over. And he's festering. And he's in severe pain. And then his friends come by. And when he's at the worst point, his friends begin to accuse him. This is your fault that you're like this. And we know it wasn't. And even his wife came along and said, curse God and die. Just curse God and die and be over with it. You know? And he refused. And he said, For I know whom I have believed. And this flesh will see him. 
And then God visited him and healed him. Something like 39 chapters later. <laughs> All that time of suffering. But he wouldn't give up. So, you know, if you're sick, never, never give up. We have a healer and he's faithful to his word. Praise God. Hallelujah. So where does healing come from? How is it provided? You see, Jesus Christ loves us so much that he died on the cross. And on the cross, in Matthew's gospel, it says that he bore our sicknesses, our infirmities, our sorrows, our pain, and our sin. Okay? So healing and deliverance were provided for on the cross. When Jesus shed his blood, the blood of Jesus avails for us against all sickness. Now, the deepest type of sickness is sickness of the heart, is sin. Amen. And sin begins to contaminate the heart, begins to affect the body, the mind. Sin separates one from God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So going back to James 5, when it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church, let them pray over him in the name of the Lord. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven, and the Lord will raise him up. Therefore confess your sins one to another, pray for one another that you may be healed. So repentance is the foundation for healing. Okay? You may not be sick because you've sinned, but repentance is good for the soul. And sometimes people are sick because they have sinned. They have opened doors. I was very, very sick, near death. And I'd opened doors in my life that I didn't think were that important. And I was under attack, full-on demonic attack. And then I went through my life and asked God to forgive me. And uh, I confessed my sin to my elder, to my spiritual father. And after that, I began to get better. And the doctors didn't think I was going to live. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. So if you're sick, first thing, or if you've got any problems, get your mind right. Know that God loves you. Know that it's God's will to fix your problems. Okay? And then if the problem is too big for you, Jesus said, when two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Come into agreement with others. Now it says, if any among you sick, let him call the elders of the church. Who are the elders? Well, I was studying that today. The apostle Peter called himself an elder. 
The Apostle John called himself an elder. The pastors called themselves elders. We're called elders. An elder in the church is someone who has a, a mature faith in Jesus Christ. Find someone who's got that connection with God. And it's not always the pastors who have faith. Find someone that you can agree with who has faith. Sometimes family members, even Christians, if you try to agree with them in prayer, they'll put out your faith. They'll destroy your faith. So you don't reject family, but you seek people who have genuine faith, who can agree with you in prayer who won't judge you for being sick and condemn you and say you, you haven't got enough faith. Blah, blah, blah. That's why you're sick. That's why you're not healed. So find people that you can pray with and who'll keep praying and won't give up. Amen. Praise God. Then meditate on the promises of God. What do I mean by meditate? For example, in Exodus 15, 26, the Lord says, I am the Lord, your healer. Yes. So you take a verse like that yes. and you think about it. I am the Lord, your healer. 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 Let's all hear. Come on, everyone say, I am the Lord, your healer. I am the Lord, your healer. I am the Lord, your healer. Now look up to heaven and say, I am the Lord, your healer. I am the Lord, your healer. Amen. And as you repeat and repeat and you meditate, suddenly it becomes a revelation that Jesus Christ is my healer now. He is the I am. By his stripes, I have been healed. And you meditate on it until it becomes a revelation. When it becomes a revelation, what happens? Faith. Wow, yes, God is my healer. Now, there's a faith that's in the mind, and that's okay. You're battling away in faith. But there is a supernatural faith that comes in the heart when God's word is manifest in your heart. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the preaching of Christ or the word of God. You can hear someone preach without hearing God speak. You can hear the Bible being preached without hearing the Holy Bible without hearing the living Word of God. So you meditate on the Scriptures until they become the living Word of God and faith arises in your heart and you become more than a conqueror, more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. And you realize by faith in His Word that Satan and your sickness is under His feet. 
and that that thing is defeated at the cross of Christ. In Hosea 11.3, I taught Ephraim, which is the Israelites, to walk, taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. Someone is sick, but they do not know the truth that they are already healed. They did not know that I have healed them. Your problems were over, finished, defeated at the cross. He's already healed you. Faith is believing the truth and not the facts. And the way that Satan works, he's a deceiver and a liar. He takes the facts and tries to convince you that this is truth. Facts are but a shadow, and the Word of God is the light. You bring the light to the shadow, and there's no way the shadow can stay. It's got to go. And the lie is that it's permanent. Hallelujah. And you know, the grace that Jesus honored the most was the faith of people. I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. Jesus honors your faith. It's your faith that connects you to his power. Hallelujah. Praise God. So if you're sick, meditate on the word of God. Believe the word of God. Claim the word of God. You can put it up on the mirror. When you get up in the morning, praise Him. Lord, I thank you that I'm healed. The prayer of faith. Thank you, Father, that I am healed. Thank you, Father, that you are healing me now. This is my prayer of faith. This is what I believe in my heart, so I do not doubt. I renounce all doubt. You know, there's a scripture, and it says... Whenever I am afraid, and one of the things about serious sickness is that very often Satan accompanies it with fear, anxiety. I'm going blind. I'm going deaf. I'm going to die of cancer. And so you can take that verse. Whenever I am afraid, whenever I feel afraid, that is my opportunity. I will trust in you. Then it says... I will praise his word. I will not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Amen. And that flesh could be your husband, could be your children, could be your your employer, or it could be your physical problem. It could be a demon. I will praise his word. You know... One of the great keys to battling against demons, the book of Psalms gives us. When the enemy comes in, I will meditate on your word. When all these problems come, the answer is spend more time in the word of God. 
You know, some people say, oh, God doesn't love me. I've got this problem, got this problem. And they're running like a chook without a head all over the place, doctors and everything, you know. Instead, we should take time to meditate on the Word of God. Amen? And let faith grow. And when you ask someone to pray and nothing happens, go and ask someone else to pray. You know? Just annoy people all over you. You know? Annoy your pastor. Annoy, annoy people. Praise God. Until you see the breakthrough. Don't give up. Well, you know, the greatest miracle, and, you know, as, as I was saying, just, I see the Lord doing lots of good things. Um, but the greatest miracle is when you come to Jesus in your heart. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. You know, there's nothing that you have done that can separate you from the cross of Jesus. From the forgiveness of God. His mercy is unreal. Hi, teaching and reading for today is Nahum. And I'm going to read the um, introduction and some of the study notes on it. I'm coming to you from the Spiritual Renewal Bible, New Living Translation. For 30 years, they have helped us, mankind, understand and highlight the uh, proper areas in the books where we see Jesus, for one, see the, the love of the Father, too, where the Holy Spirit speaks, and how we can alter and help fix our lives. You know, so that we don't be repeating the same out, outbursts and dealing with people that don't have any interest with God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's word. Lord, thank you that you have raised your word above your name. Lord, you have blessed it so that it comes alive in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, in our surroundings, Lord. Thank you for your written word and the people that have have written it for us and given us easy methods of studying your word, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We give ourselves over to you, Lord, completely. We are not of this world. We have gone into the other dimension where you live, hallelujah, where your angels live and where your word lives. Thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, that cleanses us from all sin. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us of our hidden faults, like King David said. Cleanse us. I ask you to cleanse me of all my wrongs I've done, thought about others, said about them. Lord, I just send blessings to all the people that I have said something about. In your name, Lord, in Jesus' name, bless my enemies, bless my loved ones, and bless this time we have together in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And may the Holy Spirit guide us as we go through this teaching. Nahum, okay, it's the big picture. The prophet Nahum ministered in Judah during a time of great fear. Judah had already survived attacks from the brutal Assyrians and her sister nation, the kingdom of Israel, had long since been destroyed by Assyria's bloodthirsty army. The people of Judah live in constant fear of being overrun. Their enemies was 
indifferent to their sufferings and well known for its cruelty and oppression. Nahum, whose name means comfort, was God's prophet of consolation during these troubled times. His words were meant to lift the hearts of Judah's oppressed people and to address their unspoken doubts. Nahum began by reminding the people that God is a powerful refuge for people in trouble. He told them that God would judge Judah's cruel oppressors and that Judah would someday regain her status as of insignificance and wholeness. Amen. Wow, what, a, what an introduction, huh? Okay, let's keep going. Nahum's words were able... Nahum's words were also for the people of Nineveh, Assyrian's capital. He predicted its immense, imminent doom and God's judgment arrived soon after the prophet spoke. The city was plundered by the Medes and Babylons and the Assyrian's empire soon crumbled. Nineveh's demise was a consequence of her rash treatment of others, especially the people of God. A century earlier, the prophet Jonah had gone to Nineveh and the city had been spared destruction because her people had repented. But their failure to stay on the right track led to severe consequences in Nahum's day. Repentance is never one time thing. It is something we need to do on a regular basis, continually redirecting our course back in line with God's revealed will. True repentance means that we act on our promises to change by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read that again. Their failure to stay on track led to severe consequences in Nahum's day. The failure for us is, is a callous of the heart, uh, denial, and avoiding the, the truth. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. All you have to do, how could I best have done that? Talk to the Holy Spirit. He'll talk to you right back. What was the best way to handle that Holy Spirit? What should... what what? temperament where was i wrong holy spirit where was i right holy spirit ask him that a lot and then the the last part will be the uh what could we do better so if we ask the holy spirit what was right then our subconscious mind won't condemn us because we're we're opening up a new section in our brains that's never been used before you know a human being can memorize 26 languages Building skills on top of skills is our, our uh, prerogative, it's our choice, it's, it's the way we were made of, it's what gives us joy. And asking the Holy Spirit, what did I do right, will amplify the next situation. What, how, did, how rightly did I handle that situation? And stop saying the word wrong, because... Because this, the evil spirit can get in there and, and imitate the Holy Spirit. So you want to say, in Jesus' name, what did I do right? How did I handle that rightly? Even if it wasn't right, right? The, uh, the, the Lord will, will do it like a father. He said, well, you could have avoided this issue. You know, they're very sensitive on it. And then he, the Lord would have told you, even if you strike a person a thousand times, their foolishness will not leave them. Because their foolishness is wrapped up inside their heart. Okay, so it's like you trying to change a tree. You go into a tree, you say, tree, 
I want you to be a tomato plant, and uh, or you you know you should be you shouldn't be spreading your zap on cars all over the place, whatever. The point is is that foolishness is bound up in the in the heart of a child, and a good beating will get it out. Okay, that's what the Bible says. And what we have is grown-up children, that's all, with bound-up foolishness around their hearts. They can't stop doing foolish things because they love the, the feeling of shame. When shame makes their face red, that's success to them. Not that they, they glory in it, it's just the feeling. They keep re wanting to do situations to repeat that feeling. And we just got in the way, that's all. Let's say, for instance, that we are that person. Every time I say fool, every time I say stupid, um, you, f you bloom. You get red in the face. You blush. That was, that's what happened to me when I started reading the Bible. I would read that thing. It's a foolish person keeps going back to his own vomit. Then I would flush. Because we have the truth inside of us, folks. So the best thing to say is the devil's a liar. Jesus is truth. How rightly did I handle that situation? You'll start on a new road. And you won't go back to old thinking. And the other point is, is that you'll arrest your foolishness. Thank you, God. I messed up. Thank you, God. I acted a fool. That's punching the lie right on the nose and and uh, laying the truth down, the law of the truth. Okay, that's not denial, folks. All right, that's I said too much. Somebody needs to hear that. Me. Spiritual renewal themes, rescue from fear. Our fears can destroy us if we allow them to control our lives. The people of Judah lived under the threat of a Syrian attack for many years. Nahum comforted them by helping them turn their eyes away from their cruel enemy and toward their powerful and loving God. He called them to make God their source of strength. He called them to make God their source of strength. The spiritual forces that try to sway us from living as God will have us live are the enemies that we face. If we focus our attention solely on the struggles we are facing, we could feel overwhelmed. If we keep our eyes fixed upon God, who loves us and desires our best, our fears melt away. We can count on God to help us in all spiritual battles. Amen. Living life God's way. God who created us to function best when we do things His way, the people of Nineveh broke all of God's laws and commands. And they were allowed to continue in their destructive behavior for quite some time before the consequences caught up with them. But God's inedible judgment did come down on them. We need to live life within the boundaries of God's revealed will. Rejecting God's commands always lead to pain and devastation. The, Im the importance of perseverance. Nahum was not the first of God's prophets to warn Nineveh of destruction. Over 100 years earlier, Jonah had gone to call the Nineveh in repentance. Amazingly, the Assyrians had responded to Jonah's message and were spared destruction. But apparently they failed to follow through on their initial promise.
Their behavior seemed to have changed little in the long run, and before long they were worse off than when they started. Spiritual growth doesn't happen all at once. It is something we need to keep up on on a regular basis, and it demands actions. We need to follow through on our promises to change. Without perseverance, we will end up, as Nineveh did, wrecked beyond recognition. You know, every time I start to read the Bible, the neighbors start to stare it up across. So the it's just the neighbors talking either to the animals or the cat or one of the kids. So hang in there with me. Let's keep moving. Okay, the initial facts about the book of Nineveh. Kind of, kind of interesting how those yelling. It says the purpose, the overthrow of Assyria, showing that God is all-powerful. That brings out a good point. You want to yell out, the devil's a liar, Jesus is the truth. The devil's a liar, Jesus is the truth. Say that ten times with me. And watch us destroy the works of Satan. Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. And we pray for, for people around us that want us Keep us away from the Word of God. We say, the devil's a liar. Jesus is truth. Devil, you're a liar. Jesus is the truth. Devil's a liar. Jesus is the truth. See? It quieted down. I heard a door. They went inside. The devil's a liar. Jesus is truth. The devil's a liar. Jesus is the truth. Devil, you're 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 a liar. Jesus is the truth. All the devil has is suggestions on people. They don't have power like God God has. God sustains the earth, changes things permanently, and loves us. And it's peaceful all the time. All right, let's keep going. To prophesy, that's exactly what we just did. We said the devil's a liar. Jesus is true. We we prophesy into the air. To prophesy the overthrow of Assyria, showing that God is all-powerful, that he hates wickedness, and that he is fully able to help those who are oppressed and in trouble. The author is the prophet Nahum. The audience is the people of Judah and Nineveh. It is written between 663 and 612. BC during the period preceding Nineveh's falls in 612 setting in Nahum's days Assyria controlled most of ancient near east and had already destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel the key verse the Lord is good when trouble comes he is a strong refuge and he knows everyone who trusts in him Nahum 1 7 key people and relationships Nahum the people of Judah and the people of Nineveh. Okay, let's go ahead and read the... Uh, there's another commentary right here. It wants us to read verse 15, 115, and it says, Look, a messenger is coming over the mountains with good news. He is bringing a message of peace. Celebrate your festivals, O people of Judah, and fulfill all your vows 
For your enemies from Nineveh will never invade your land again. They have been completely destroyed. What a strong prophecy. And talking about Jesus. Let's see what it says down here. This language was used in Isaiah 52.7. Of heralds poised on the hills of Judah, shouting the good news of Judah's liberation. The kingdom of Israel had already been destroyed by Assyria. And Judah had lived under a continued threat of attack for many years. The conquest of Nineveh by the Babylonians and Medes would be good news for the, for the desperate, helpless people of Judah. This event took place 612 before Christ. And Nahum 2, 3, and 10 records an account of Nineveh's defeat. Okay, let's read chapter 1. This message concerning Nineveh came as a vision to Nahum, who lived in Elkosh. The Lord's anger against Nineveh. Verse 2. The Lord is a jealous God filled with vengeance and wrath. He takes revenge on all who oppose him and furiously destroys his enemies. The Lord is slow to get angry, but his power is great, and he never lets the guilty go unpunished. He displays his power in the whirlwind and the storm. The billowing clouds are the dust beneath his feet. At his command, the oceans and rivers dry up, the lush pastures of Bashan and, and Carmel fade, and the green forests of Lebanon whipped. In his presence, the mountains shake and the hills melt away. The earth trembles and its people are destroyed. Who could stand before his fierce anger? Who could survive his burning fury? His rage blazes forth like fire, and the mountains crumble to dust. In his presence. Verse 7. The Lord is good. When trouble comes, he is a strong refuge. And he knows everyone who trusts in him. But he sweeps away his enemies in an overwhelming flood. He pursues his foes into the darkness of night. Why are you scheming against the Lord? He will destroy you with one blow. He will need to strike twice. His enemies, tangled up like thorns, staggering like drunks, will be burned like the straw uh, in the field. Who is this king of yours who dares to plot evil against the Lord? This is what the Lord says, verse 12. Even though the Assyrians have many allies, they will be destroyed and disappear. O oh, my people, I have already punished you once, and I will not, not do it again. Now I will break your chains and release you from the Assyrian oppression. And this is what the Lord says concerning the Assyrians of Nineveh. You will have no more children to carry on your name. I will destroy all the idols in the temples of your gods. I am preparing a grave for you because you are despicable and don't deserve to live. Look, 15. A messenger is coming over the mountains with good news. He is bringing a message of peace. Celebrate your festivals, O people of Judah, and fulfill all your vows. For your enemies from Nineveh will never invade your land again. They have been completely destroyed. Chapter 2, The Fall of Nineveh. Nineveh, you are already surrounded by enemies, armies. Sound the alarm, man the ramparts, 
muster your defenses and keep a sharp watch for the enemy attack to begin. For the land of Israel lies empty and broken after your attacks, but the Lord will restore its honor and power again. Shields flash red in the sunlight. The attacks begin. See their scarlet uniform. Watch as the glittering chariots move into position with a forest of spears waving about them. The chariots race recklessly along the street and through the square swift as lightning flickering like torches. The king shouts to his officers. They stumble in their haste, rushing to the walls to set up their defense. But too late, the river gates are open. The enemy has entered. The palace is about to collapse. Nineveh, exile, had been decreed, and all the servant girls mourn its capture. Listen to them in sorrow. Nineveh is like a leaking water reservoir. The people are slipping away. Stop, stop, someone shouts, but the people just keep on running. Look, the silver. Plunder the gold. There seems no end to Nineveh's many treasures. It's vast, uncounted wealth. Soon the city is an empty chambles, strip of its wealth. Hearts melt in horror and knees shake. The people stand aghast, their faces pale and trembling. Where now is this great Nineveh, lion of the nations, full of light and boldness, where the old and feeble and the young and tender live with nothing to fear? O Nineveh, you were once a mighty lion. You crush your enemies to feed your cubs and your mate. You fill your cities and your homes with captives and plunder. I am your enemy, says the Lord Almighty. Your chariots will soon go up in smoke. The finest of your youth will be killed in battle. Never again will you bring back plunder from the conquered nations. Never again will the voices of your proud messengers be heard. Okay. Um, chapter 2, verse 13 a serious defeat was certain. Actually, the thought in content goes from 2.13 to chapter 3, verse 1. It says, A serious defeat was certain. God's people would be delivered, and those who supported Assyria would be silenced forever. God's justice is always administered according to His timetable. It is easy to become discouraged as we see injustices happening all around us. We may wonder why God seems to be doing so little about them. Here we see that God will hold unjust people accountable when the time is right. You know, one thing that comes up to it and we all bump into is, is getting along with others that are just unreasonable. Even if you explain the truth a hundred times, they'll still come and attack you. We talked about that. The scripture says, is even if you hit a fool, I think it's in Proverbs 27, if you hit a fool a thousand times, even his foolishness will not leave him. So what are we to do? Okay. I think the responsibility lies on our shoulders. Jesus has given us the key to deal with this. And all it is is just ignorance. We don't know how to deal with the people or we we want God to take care of it from us when it we should be adamant and take care of it for ourselves we should be bold lean forward and call the duck a duck the truth the truth and the devil's a liar 
How? How do you do this, you say? Uh, well, you, for one, you start thanking God for the perpetrator, okay? And then you, you, you start thanking him, so you, you arrest him spiritually, and then you realize how sick they are, and remember how much God loves them, even as exactly the way they are. God loves them so much. So you start thanking God for them. Make a letter to God, you know, a little covenant. Lord, I just go ahead, uh, wholeheartedly agree that I will praise you and thank you for this person. I will pray that he will have all the adult toys anyone could have. I pray for his mother, his father, all his children. I pray for his wife. I pray for his health. And then he may have success incredibly you know uh do great exploits for mankind and you pray for him in that respect and you keep at it it's not going to catch the first day you're not going to want to do it you pray for his relationship with god and with those around him you even pray for his enemies and i'm talking to myself when i say you you fernando so i write his name down i put it in my prayer journal and my and then I start, you know, I pray and put put it on my daily planner and then start counting down the days and then just say a little prayer for them. You know, the prayer that you can say is found in Proverbs and it covers every aspect. It says, oh, that you will bless my enemy indeed and enlarge his territory, that your hand will be upon him and that you will keep him from evil. And God answered that prayer. Amen. That's, excuse me, that's uh, 1 Chronicles 4.10. If it's not in 1 Chronicles, it'll be in 2 Chronicles. The Jabez prayer. Do the Jabez prayer for your enemy. It's a lot easier and swifter. And just write it on your calendar. And after a while, you start praying it with your own heart. And about 10 days of this, if you do it for a month, uh, you'll see how... It's only a spiritual negatively hanging on top of that guy's shoulder. You may be able to relieve him and relieve him of that spirit that's oppressing them. And we're going to make sure you don't have that spirit because you're calling on God and it'll cleanse you at the same time. Anyway, anything we want, we got to pray that our enemy will have it. Simple as that. Isn't that a pretty good bargain? Some people hate other people so bad, they say, if you pray for the one, a guy's eyesight, your eyesight will get better. And I said, no, let me go blind, so that person will go blind too. That's how much hate people have, okay? So I'm asking you, let it go and try it God's ways. Relax. Not that big of a deal. We have our joy and happiness in our life to live. Besides, being ticked with one person, you end up hurting the ones around you because you're carrying that tick bomb in you. Very easily, you're going to say the wrong thing and it's going to compile. How do I know? Okay. All right. Confront your person. You know, just confront them. Say, I tell them, hey, dummy, I love you and I forgive you. They usually stay there with their mouth open, but it really, really penetrates and explodes inside their heart. No one's ever talked to them like that. They're so used to being cussed at. 
Okay, the Lord's judgment against Nineveh. This is our last chapter. I believe we don't have any more commentary on this. This is it. And after that, we'll say goodbye, okay? Chapter 3. How terrible it would be for Nineveh, the city of murder and lies. She is crammed with wealth to be plundered. Listen, hear the cracks of the whip as the chariots rush forward against her. Wheels rumble, horses hoose pound, and chariots clatter as they bump wildly through the streets. See the flashing sword and glittering spears of the upright arms of the cavalry. The dead are lying in the streets, dead bodies heap of bodies everywhere. People stumble over them, scramble to their feet, and fall again. All this because Nineveh, the beautiful and fateless, fateless city, mistress of deadly charms, entices the nations with her beauty. She taught them all to worship her false gods, enchanting people everywhere. No wonder I am your enemy, declares the Lord Almighty, and now I will lift up your skirts so all the earth will see your nakedness and shame. I will cover you with filth and show the world how vile you really are. All who see you will shrink back in horror and say, Nineveh lies in utter ruin, yet no one anywhere will regret your destruction. Are you any better than Tebis? Surrounded by rivers, protected by water on all sides. Ethiopia and the land of Egypt were the source of her strength, which seemed without limit. The nation of Put and Libya also helped and supported her. Yet the Tebis fell and her people were led away as captives. Her babies were dashed to death against the stones of the streets. Soldiers cast lots to see who would get the Egyptian officers as servants, and their leaders were bound in chains. And you, Nineveh, will also stagger like a drunkard. You will hide for fear of the attacking enemy. All your fortresses will fall. They will be devoured like the ripe figs that fall into the mouth of those who shake the trees. Your truths will be as weak and helpless as women. The gate of your land will be opened wide to the enemy and set on fire and burn. Get ready for the siege. Store up water. Strengthen the defense. Make bricks to repair the walls. Go into the pits to trample the clay and pack it into molds. But in the middle of your preparations, the fire will destroy you. The sword will cut you down. The enemy will consume you with locusts, devouring everything they see. There will be no escape, even if you multiply like grasshoppers. Merchants as numerous as the stars have filled your city with vast wealth, but like a swarm of locusts, they strip the land and they fly away. Your princes and officials are also like locusts, crowding together in the hedge to survive the cold, but like locusts that fly away when you, when the sun comes up to warm the earth, all of them will fly away and disappear. O Assyrian king, your princes lie dead in the dust. Your people are scattered across the mountains. There is no longer a shepherd to gather them together. There is no healing for your wound. Your injury is fatal. All who hear of your destruction will clap their hands for joy. Where can anyone be found who has not suffered from your cruelty? As the end of Nahum's study and scripture. Thank you.
Need healing? Stick with the word. Not many people get to visit heaven and then come back to tell about it. But my friend Gary Wood did. He went there briefly after being in a deadly car wreck at age 18. As he was being escorted around, one of the places he saw was a room filled with new body parts, new hearts, spines, eardrums, lungs, everything necessary to make a human body perfectly whole. What is this place? Gary asked. This is the parts room, he was told. When our people need new body parts and call for them by faith, the angels take them whatever they need. In turn, it turned out Gary was in the room for a good reason. While he was seeing firsthand in heaven just how much God cares about the physical well-being of his people, his sister was back on earth refusing to give him up. She'd been in the wreck with him, came out unhurt, and was standing on the word, never mind that he was DOA at the emergency room. She wouldn't turn loose. When Gary's body began to show signs of life, the doctors realized he would survive, but gave a grave prognosis like they usually do. Having determined that his larynx was crushed and his vocal cords were destroyed, they said, he'll never talk again. A singer would, who been headed into the ministry, for Gary, that would have been tragic. But thank God he's been in the heavenly parts room. So when he regained consciousness, he confounded everyone by saying, Hallelujah, and ultimately wound up preaching, singing, and bringing glory to God with a marvelous, booming voice. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Yes, someone may say, but you have to remember God's ways are mysterious. When it comes to healing, we can never really know what He's going to do. Sure we can. We may not know exactly how He's going to do it, but we can know what he'll do because James 1 7 says that in him there is no variableness neither shadow of turning he doesn't shift around taking one position on healing today and another tomorrow he doesn't vary from day to day providing parts for one person and not for another God is always the same his nature doesn't change his name doesn't change and his word doesn't change. What he said to one about healing, he says to everyone, because he is totally unchangeable. So is Jesus. The express image of the Father, Hebrews 13:8, describes him as the same yesterday and today and forever. So if he healed yesterday, he's still the healer today. He's still responding to us now the same way he responded to those who came to him for a healing in the Gospels. Remember the leopard who came to Jesus in Matthew 8 when he said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. Without stopping to think about it, Jesus answered without hesitation, saying, I will. And with those, 
words, he settled the issue forever. For all men, for all time, healing is always God's will. That's a vital scriptural fact. It's foundational to receiving healing because faith begins where the will of God is known. If we don't know what God has said about something, it doesn't matter how much we need it. We can't have faith for it. But once we see it in the word that it's his will, we can believe and receive. Move with compassion. In recalling the healing of the leopard in Mark 1, 40-41, we even get a more glimpse into Jesus' willingness to heal. He says that when the man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him. In other words, Jesus didn't just speak to this man matter-of-factly. He didn't just say, I will, tap him on the head and then shrink back. No, his voice and his touch were filled with great tenderness and love. In tone, if not in the these exact words, he said to the leopard, Of course I will heal you. You bet. That's why I came here. I came here for you. Can't you just imagine that scene? According to Luke, who was a physician, this man was full of leprosy and was about to die. He was covered with running open sores and his clothes were filled with the filth and stench of decaying flesh. He had been touched by anyone except another leopard in a very long time. Yet Jesus, instead of running away from the man like most people did, got down on the dirt where the man had fallen on his knees before him. Luke 5.12 He reached out with a great compassion, caught hold of him and said, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Is Jesus less compassionate today? Absolutely not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even though now he's seated in heaven at the right hand of God, he's still a compassionate high priest who is able to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weakness and infirmities. Hebrews 4.15, Amplified Bible. Don't ever fall into the devilish trap of saying to Jesus, Don't you care? He cares so much. He wants. He went to the cross for you. He cares so much that he not only paid the price for your sins, he bore your sickness and carried away your diseases. He cares so much. He had it recorded in his unchanging word and word that by his stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2.24 So you could believe it and receive how exactly do you do that. The same way the next man we see in Matthew 8 did. A Roman centurion came to Jesus seeking healing for his servant who was dying. Lying at home, grievously ill. I will come and heal him, Jesus said. And the centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my foot, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, 
having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he do it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them, his followers, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, to be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the same half hour. Words of faith. Notice Jesus, the centurion, had great faith. What kind of faith is that? It's word faith. Faith that requires no physical evidence other than the authority of the word of God itself. Word faith isn't the only way to get healed, but it is the best way. It's better than having to depend on special manifestations of the Spirit, such as working of miracles or gift of healings, because they wonderful as they are, there is an air of mystery about them. They're not always in operation. The gift comes and goes as the Holy Spirit wills. The Word of God, however, is always available. It's always alive and full of power. Active, operating, energizing, and effective. Hebrews 4.12 And it's there for you to access whenever you need it. Anytime in the day or night which is a major advantage, particularly if you're dealing with conditions that's acute. You can't afford to sit around and wait for the gift of miracle to show up. You need to connect with the power of God immediately. And by getting in the Word, you can do that. Simply by opening your Bible or turning into the Word being preached, you can build your faith and receive your miracle when there are no spiritual gifts in sight. Lachey McKinley can confirm it. One of our ministry partners who was diagnosed with lymphoma, cancer a few years ago, given only 30 days to live, she needed a miracle and she needed it fast. Excuse me, let me go back right here. It says, particularly if you're dealing with a condition that's acute, you can't afford to sit around and wait for the gift of miracles to show up. You need to acknowledge the Word of God. You need to connect with the power of God immediately. And by getting in the Word, you can do that simply by opening your Bible or turning into the Word being preached. You can build your faith and receive your miracle when there is no spiritual gifts in sight. Okay, Lachey McKinney, McKinney can confirm it, okay? Give it only 30 days to live, she needed a miracle. Although she was so sick, she barely had enough energy to breathe, she remembered hearing Gloria say in a healing school, Take the word like medicine three times a day, and if the situation gets worse, double the doses. So she used that as her prescription. Three times a day, every day, she got her Bible and walked through her house, declaring the word of the Lord. Declaring 
am healing scriptures and speaking them over her life. 28 days have passed and still she could tell no difference in her body. The symptoms of lymphoma remained and she felt exactly the same. But at the end of the 28 days, something happened, she said. Fate kicked in and I knew I was healed. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. But at the end of 28 days, something happened. She said, fate kicked in and I knew I was healed. On the 30th day, she went back to the doctors and they took x-rays again. They brought in two specialists. Then they brought in three more. But none of them could find any cancer. Where is it? They said, it's not here. You know, it's amazing that we don't put enough word in the hopper. And it's very easy to do. Don't think it's very hard. You, you record yourself as you're reading the healing scriptures in the morning. And then you put them in the background while you're doing chores. And then you, you, or you can put them on your smart TV and scroll them up your phone and see the scriptures and proclaim them out loud with faith. Act as if. Now, that, this is not in the article. You know, and then when you're brushing your teeth, turn that baby on, keep speaking, keep speaking. Do it for 30 days, exactly like this lady. Get your new parts. Hallelujah. Okay, getting back to the article. Stick with the word no matter what. Can you see the similarity between the Saturian and Lachey? Like him, she put her faith in the authority of God's word alone with no physical evidence to rely on and negative circumstances. Screaming at her, she pushed through and believed that by the word only she would be healed. She didn't do it lying in bed either. She got up and walked as she declared God's word she put into action to her faith and although time and time again she had the opportunity to give up, she refused to do it. We all have opportunities to give up when we're standing on faith, and we all need to be reminded to do what La Shea did to make the quality decision to stand on God's word, refuse to be moved by what we see or what we feel in the natural, and stick with the word no matter what. But Brother Copeland, that sounds hard, and I am hurting. Why wouldn't Jesus just do something for sure for me? He is doing something. He's right there in you and with you, the author and finisher of your faith. He's right there every time the word comes out of your mouth. Every time you say, by his stripes, I was healed. He's building you up. Every time you read and declare healing scriptures, faith is coming. Faith coming by the word. Faith is a spiritual force. You can't feel it with your physical body. But when you hear God's word, it always comes. The more word you get into your heart, the more faith keeps coming until it boils over and you know that you know that you know. This belongs to me. It's mine. Jesus bought and paid for it. And I have the word of the living God on it. In the name of Jesus, I am healed. 
I remember that when that happened to me a few years ago after I was diagnosed by the doctors with plaque in my arteries. I was getting ready to preach and on the morning of August 12, 2016, as I was fellowship with the Lord, I believe I received my healing. Opening my Bible on Mark 11:23, I said, Plaque be thou removed. Turning to Ephesians 5:26, I said, I received the cleansing of my arteries by the washing of water by the word. Then I wrote it down on my little book of healing scriptures and tucked it away. On January 2017, I went back to the doctor for a head-to-toe physical. After examining me thoroughly, down to the measuring the thickness of my arteries, do you know what they found? Zero plaque. I had many experiences like that, so have a, a lot of other people, so have. I know who's learned to walk in word of faith. One of the most outstanding I ever heard about was Brother Kenneth E. Hagan. As a young teenager, he was paralyzed and bedfast with an incurable heart condition. Back then, he never heard anyone preach about faith. But just by the leading of the Holy Spirit, every day for 16 long months, hour after hour, he would read and quote the healing scripture he found one day as he was reading Mark 11, 22, and 24. It hit him. I have to believe I have it before I have it in order to get it. Again, I have to believe I have it before I have it in order to get it. Determined to act on that revelation, he pushed his legs over the side of the bed. As they hit the floor like two lifeless sticks of wood, he grabbed hold of the bedpost, pulled himself up and declared, I want to announce to God in heaven the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, all the angels in the room, and all the devils of hell. I am healed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Talk about someone who needed new parts. Born prematurely with serious internal deformations, Brother Hagen needed a total overhaul, and he got one. In the twinkling of eye, not only did his legs come back to life, his heart, digestive tubing, and blood were all replaced. How did it happen? By faith in the living Word of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Welcome. I'll be reading today for November the 6th, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 14, verse 12 to 1641. Then this message came to me, Ezekiel, from the Lord. Son of man, suppose the people of a country were to sin against me, and I lifted my fist to crush them cutting off their food supply and sending a famine to destroy both people and animals. Even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, their righteousness would save no one but themselves, says the Sovereign Lord. 
Or suppose I was were to send wild animals to invade the country, kill the people, and make the land too desolate and dangerous to pass through. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, even if these three men were there, they wouldn't be able to save their own sons or daughters. They alone will be saved, but the land will be made desolate. Or suppose I were to bring war against the land, and I sent enemy armies to destroy both people and animals. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, even if those three men were there, they wouldn't be able to save their own sons or daughters. They alone will be saved. Or suppose I was to pour out my fury by sending an epidemic into the land, and the disease kill people and animals alike. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, they wouldn't be able to save their own sons or daughters. They alone will be saved by their righteousness. Now, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. How terrible it will be when all four of these dreaded punishments fall upon Jerusalem. War, famine, wild animals, and disease, destroying all her people and animals. Yet there will be survivors, and they will come here to join you as exiles in Babylon. You will see with your own eyes how wicked they are, and then you will feel better about what I have done to Jerusalem. When you meet them and see their behavior, you will understand that these things are not being done to Israel without a cause. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, how does a grapevine compare to a tree? Is a vine wood as useful as the wood of a tree? Can its wood be used for making things like pegs to hang up pots and pans? No, it can only be used for fuel. And even as fuel, it burns too quickly. Vines are useless both before and after being put into the fire. And this is what the Sovereign Lord says. The people of Jerusalem are like grapevines growing among the trees of the forest since they are useless. I have thrown them on the fire to be burned. And I will see to it that they, that if they expect from one fire, they will fall into another. If they escape from one fire, they will fall into another. When I turn against them, you will know that I am the Lord, and I will make the land desolate because my people have been unfaithful to me. I, the Sovereign Lord, has spoken. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable sins. Give her this message from the sovereign Lord. You are nothing but a Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, so many of you, on the day that you were born, no one cared about you. You're Unbiblical cord was not cut, and you were never washed, rubbed with salt, and wrapped in cloth. No one had the slightest interest in you. No one pitied you or cared for you. On the day that you were born, you were unwanted, dumped in a field, and left to die. But I came by and saw that you there, there, helped 
helplessly kicking about in your own blood. As you lay there, I said, live, and I helped you to thrive like a plant in the field. You grew up and became beautiful jewel. Your breath became full and your body hair grew and you were still naked. And then I passed by again. I saw that you were old enough for love, so I wrapped my cloak around you to cover you, your nakedness, and declare my marriage vows. I made a covenant with you, says the Sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Then I bathed you and washed off your blood, and I rubbed fragrant oils in your skin. I gave you expensive clothing of fine linen and silk, beautifully embroidered and and sandals made of fine goatskin leather. I gave you lovely jewelry, bracelets, beautiful neck places, a ring for your nose, earrings for your ears, and a lovely crown for your head. And so you were adorned with adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were made of fine linen and were beautiful embroidered. You are the finest, you ate the finest food, choice flour, honey, and olive oil, and became more beautiful than ever. You looked like a queen, and so you, you were. Your, your frame soon spread throughout the world because of your beauty. I dressed you in my splendor and perfected your beauty, says the Sovereign Lord. But you thought your fame and beauty were your own. So you gave yourself as a prostitute to every man who came along. Your beauty was theirs for the asking. You asked the lovely things I gave you to make shrines of idols. Where you played the prostitute. Unbelievable. How could... Such a thing ever happened. You took the very jewels and gold and silver ornaments I have given you and made statues of men and worshipped them. This is adultery against me. You used the beautiful embroidered clothes I gave you to dress your idols. Then you used my, any of my special oil and my incense to worship them. Imagine it. You set before them as a sacrifice the choice flour, olive oil, and honey I had given you, says the Sovereign Lord. Then you looked, you took your sons and daughters and children you had born to me and sac sacrificed them to your gods. Was your prostitution not enough? Must you also slaughter my children by sacrificing them to idols? In all your years of adultery and detestable sin, you have not once remembered the days long ago when you lay naked in a field, kicking about in your own blood. What sorrow awaits you, says the Sovereign Lord, in addition to all your other wickedness. You built a pagan shrine and put altars to idols in every town square. On every street corner you defile your beauty, offering your body to every passerby in an endless stream of prostitution. Then you added lustful Egypt to your lovers, provoking my anger with your increased promiscuity. That is why... I struck you with my first and reduced you, your boundaries. I handed you over to your enemies, the Philistines, and even they were shocked by your lewd conduct. 
You have prostituted yourself with the Assyrians too. It seems you can never find enough new lovers. And after your prostitution there, you still were not satisfied. You added to your lovers by embracing the Babylonia, the land of merchants, but you still weren't satisfied. What a sick heart you have, says the sovereign Lord, to do such things as these acting like a shameless prostitute. You build your pagan shrines on every street corner and your altars to idol on every square. In fact, you have been worse than a prostitute so eager for sin that you have not even demanded payment. Yes, you are an adulterous wife who takes in strangers instead of her own husband. Prostitutes charge for their services, but not you. You give gifts to your lovers to bribing them to come and have sex with you. So you are the opposite of other prostitutes. You pay your lovers instead of their paying you. Therefore, your prostitute, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, because you have poured out your lust and exposed yourself in prostitution to all your lovers, and because you have worshipped detestable idols, and because you have slaughtered your children as sacrifice to your gods. This is what I am going to do. I will gather together all your allies, the lovers with whom you have sinned, both those you love and those you hate. And I will strip you naked in front of them so that they can stare at you. I will punish you for your murder and adultery. And, and I will cover you with blood of my jealous fury. Then I will give you to those many nations who are your lovers, and they will destroy you. They will knock down your pagan shrines and the altars of your idols. They will strip you and take your beauty, beautiful jewels, leaving you stark naked. They will band together in a mob to stone you and cut you up with swords that they will burn your homes. They will burn your homes and punish you in front of many women. I will stop your prostitution and end your payments to your many lovers. Then we burn your homes and punish you in front of many women. I will stop your prostitution and end your payments to your many lovers. Wow. That was the Old Testament of Ezekiel. And the study for today is uh, the message in Ezekiel chapter 16, 1 through 19, reminds Jerusalem of its former despised status among the Canaanite nations. Things the imaginary of a young baby growing to mature womanhood, God reminded Jerusalem that he raised her from a lowly state to great glory as his bride, she betrayed God's trust and prostituted herself. However, by seeking alliances with pagan nations and adopting their custom, God cared for and loved Judah, only to have his people turn away to other nations and their false gods. The nations had 
grown to maturity and become famous, but the people forgot who had given them their life. Ezekiel 16.22 This is a picture of spiritual adultery. As you become wiser and more mature, remember how God has taken you care of you. Recognize the ways he has loved you and don't turn from him. We can tend to you to put our hope in other things to take care of our needs. Family, friends, education, government, career, these may all be ways of God cares for us, but we should track him and not them. He is the insurance, and they are only the means. He is the source. Be to keep your trust in God and not in his gifts. Amen and amen. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 18 to 28. Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law never made anything perfect. But now we have a confidence and a better hope through which we draw near to God. This new system was established with a solemn oath. Aaron's descendants became priests without such an oath. But there was an oath regarding Jesus, for God said to him, The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You're a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees his better covenant with God. There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from, from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save. Those who come to God through him, he lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They do this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weaknesses. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath, and his son had been made perfect high priest. Okay, today's study on Hebrews 7.27 on that verse. And let's read that verse, 7.27. says, Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sin. Today's study, Hebrews 7.27. In Old Testament times, when animals were 
sacrifice. They were cut into pieces. The parts were washed. The fat was burned and the blood was sprinkled and the meat was boiled. Blood was demanded as atonement for sin and God accepted animal blood to cover the people's sin. Leviticus 17.11 Because of the sacrificial system, the Israelites were generally aware that sin cost someone something and that they themselves were sinful. Many people take Christ's work on the cross for granted. They don't realize how costly it was for Jesus to secure our forgiveness. It cost him his life and, for a time, painful separation from his father. In the same way that the animal sacrifices reminded the people of their sinfulness, let the cross remind you and your own sinfulness. And while the cross is a sober reminder of our failures, it's also a reminder of our hope. It reminds us that God makes good things happen out of bad situations. It reminds us that our sinful lives can be transformed into the lives of blessing for others and ourselves. It reminds us that our sinful lives can be transformed into lives of blessings for others and ourselves. Amen. That goes easily as we... uh, Thank God for our past lives. God is able to take it once we release it and make something of it. Okay, praying the Psalms. Give thanks to God for not giving up on us even when we gave up on Him. Thank Him for showing us how faithful He is. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for showing us how faithful You are. We thank You for not giving up on us. Thank You that Your mercy and Your grace And your love is like the air, abundant and available. All we have to do is breathe deep and say, Forgive me, Father. Forgive me of my sins. I have been wrong. Help me in my recovery. Help me and guide me. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, uh, Psalms. Psalm 106, 1 through 12. says, Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Who can list the glorious miracles of the Lord? Who can ever praise Him enough? There is joy for those who deal justly with others and always do what is right. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come near and rescue me. Let me share in the prosperity of your chosen ones. Let me rejoice in the joy of your people. Let me praise you with those who are your heritage. Like our ancestors, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. Our ancestors in Egypt were not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. They soon forgot his many acts of kindness to them. Instead, they rebelled against him at the Red Sea. Even so, he saved them to defend the honor of his name and to demonstrate his mighty power. He commanded the Red Sea to dry up. He led Israel across the sea as if it were a desert. So he rescued them from their enemies and redeemed them from their foes. Then the water returned and covered their enemies. Not one of them survived. Then his people believed his promises. Then they sang his praise. Then the people believed his promises, then they sang his praise. 
Amen. Uh, gratitude pushes us to believe his promises. Gratitude. That's why it's so important to take a stock in gratitude in the morning. Especially if you used to hurt somewhere in your body and you asked God and he healed you. Say, thank you, God, for healing me in my headaches. Thank you, God, for healing me in my back, my shoulders, my knees. Thank you for healing me of my broken heart. And go over it. Thank you, God, for fulfilling all my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for helping me in the past and continue to do so. I'm grateful for it. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Proverbs 27, 4-6 says, Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. Anger is cruel, and wrath is like a flood. But jealousy is even more dangerous. Wow. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a friend, sincere friend, are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a sincere friend. Let's get out there and wound some people. Call the things the way they are. God bless you. Enjoy this day. Amen. In reading the spiritual disciplines of silence in awe of God, Habakkuk 2.20 will be our verse for this teaching. And Habakkuk 2.20 says, 2.20 But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. But the Lord is in his temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Habakkuk, we live in a noisy world, whether it is the loud trolling of the neighbor's rock music or the din of background noise. We are constantly assaulted by sound. While some of th this noise cannot be helped, often we use constant sound to hide ourselves from our true thoughts and feelings. Being cooped up in an elevator is so uncomfortable that music is used to distract people from their discomfort. Many public places, such as restaurants and waiting rooms, pipe in music so that people don't feel threatened by the silence. In a similar way, people often hide from God behind sound. Noise and activity cover the nagging sense that we ought to be paying more attention to our spiritual lives. It distracts us from worshiping God. But what happens when all noise is silenced? Suddenly, there's nowhere to hide. This is why the prophet calls all the earth to silence in times of judgment, as in Habakkuk 2.20. Habakkuk condemned those who foolishly worship idols. Their speechless idols could not help. They could not give guidance or direction or comfort and hope. Because of this, the people themselves were speechless having nothing worthwhile to reiterate from their idols. 
Therefore, the whole earth is called to silence and reverence for the Lord who lives in his temple. Unlike those who worship idols, however, we need not fear silence, for we are free from judgment. After the initial moments of discomfort, silence can inspire a sense of awe at God's presence within us. Like the half hour of silence in heaven before the great trumpet blast, Revelations 8.1, or the grand pause in Handel's Messiah just before the final hallelujah of the hallelujah choirs, chorus. It allows us to center our attention on the Lord and prepare us for what he is about to do. As such silence become a resting time, a time to rest in the world, a time to rest from the world, to rest in the Lord, in quietness and confidence is your strength. Isaiah thirty fifteen. Again, Isaiah thirty fifteen. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Putting things into practice. What inspires you? What inspires you to worship? Is it a favorite hymn or a song? A favorite picture or painting? A special place? Listen to that piece of music. View that picture or visit that place. And then be still. Savoring the wonders of God that come to you in those moments. Do not strain for thoughts, but simply welcome the stillness as a gift and give it as a gift of praise. Amen. The spiritual disciplines of silence in awe of God. Reading from Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and <clears throat> Habakkuk, a contemporary of the prophet Jeremiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel, was appalled at the wickedness that swirled about him like a windstorm. Lawlessness and injustice were rampant in the nation of Judah. The prophet, sensitive to the sin around him, called out to God. Today's society is not much different. We often find ourselves wondering, will this ever end? The rest of Habakkuk's book provides an answer to this question. In verses 5 and 11, God's solution for Judah's sin was exile in Babylon. He would allow the Babylonians to destroy Judah and Jerusalem and teach them that their disobedience to God carried a price. It was God's way of helping his people devote themselves to him again so they could experience his redemption and restoration. God often does the same thing with us. He allows us to exercise our free will and live in our sins for just so long before he allows the consequences to catch up with us. As we face the consequences, we are forced to realize that we are truly that we truly need God's help and mercy. 
then we can surrender our lives to God and experience his redemption and restoration. Amen. In uh, in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 12 and 2 to 3, it says, When faced with the coming of the Babylonians, it seemed to Habakkuk that the curse was worse than the disease. How could God bless the godless Babylonians so they would be able to destroy his own people? It didn't seem like right. Like Habakkuk, we sometimes wonder how people even more wicked than we are can be allowed to prosper. But rather than turning away in confusion and resentment, we would be wise to turn to God, honestly asking him for help us understand God will deal with the other people when the time is right. He is ultimately in control. Okay, let's go ahead and read those verses. Chapter 1 of Habakkuk. This is the message to the prophet Habakkuk received from the Lord in a vision. Habakkuk's complaint. Verse 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence, I cry. But you do not come to save. Must I forever see this sin and misery all around me? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and useless, and there is no justice given in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, and justice is perverted with bribes and trickery. The Lord's reply. The Lord replied, Look at the nations and be amazed. Watch and be astonished at what I will do. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians to be a new power of the world scene. They are a cruel and violent nation who will march across the world and conquer it. They are notorious for their cruelty. They do as they like, and no one can stop them. Their horses are swifter than leopards. They are as fierce people, more fierce than wolves at dusk. Their horsemen race forward from distant places, like eagles, they swoop down to pounce on their prey. On they come, all of them bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a wind from the desert, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their defenses. They simply pile up ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. Habakkuk, second complaint. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you are who, you who are eternal. Is your plan in all of this to wipe us out? Surely not. Our Lord, our rock, you have decreed the rise of the Babylonians to punish and correct us for our terrible sins. You are perfectly just in this. 
But will you, who cannot allow sin in any form, stand idly by while they swallow us up? Should you be silent while the wicked destroy people who are more righteous than they? Are we but fish to be caught and killed? Are we but creeping things that have no leader to defend them from their enemies? Must we strung up on their hooks and drag out in their nets while they rejoice? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who have made us rich, they claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquest? I will climb up into my watchtower now and wait to see what the Lord will say to me and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer in a large clear tablet with letters so that a runner can read it and tell everyone else. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, wait patiently for it. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faith. Wealth is treacherous and the arrogant are never at rest. They range far and wide with their mouths open as wide as death. But they are never satisfied in their greed. They have gathered up many nations and people. But the time is coming when all their captives will taunt them saying, You thieves, at last justice has caught up with you. Now you will get what you deserve, for you are oppression and extortion. Suddenly, your debtors will rise up in anger. They will turn on you and take all you have while you stand trembling and helpless. You have plundered many nations. Now they will plunder you. You murderers, you have filled the countryside with violence and all the cities too. How terrible it will be for you who get rich by unjust means. You believe your wealth will be security, putting your families beyond the reach of danger. But by the murders you commit, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. The very stones in the walls of your house cry out against you, and the beams and the ceiling echo the complaint. How terrible it will be for you who build cities with money gained by murder and corruption. Has not the Lord Almighty promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard, but all in vain. For the time will come when all the earth while will be filled. As the waters fill the sea with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. How terrible it would be for you who make your neighbors drunk. You force your cup on them so they can gloat over their nakedness and shame. But soon it will be your turn. 
Come, drink and be exposed. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment and all of your glory will be turned to shame. You cut down the forest of Lebanon, now you will be cut down. You terrify the wild animals you caught in your traps, now terror will strike you because of your murder and violence in cities everywhere. What have you gained by worshiping all your man-made idols? How foolish to trust in something made by your own hands. What fools you are to believe such lies. How terrible it will be for you who beg lifeless wooden idols to save you. You ask speechless stones images to tell you what to do. <clears throat> Can an idol speak for God? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Chapter 3, Habakkuk's Prayer. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord, and I am filled with awe by the amazing things you have done. In this time of our deep need, begin again to help us as you did in years gone by. Show us your power to save us, and in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God, the Holy One, moving across the desert from Edom and Mount Paran, his brilliant splendor fills the heavens, and the earth is filled with his praise. What a wonderful God he is. Rays of brilliant light flash from his hands. He rejoices in his awesome power. Pestilence marches before him. Plagues follow close behind him. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. But his power is not diminished in the least. I see the people of Kushan and Median trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You were commanding your weapons of power. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watch and tremble. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting his hands to the Lord. The lofty sun and the moon began to fade, obscured by brilliance from your arrows and the flashing of your glittering spear. You march across the land in an awesome anger and trample the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people, to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and laid bare their bones from head to toe. With their own weapons, you destroy those who rush out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. You trample the sea with your horses and the mighty waters piled high. I trembled inside when I heard all this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way before me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us, even though the fig tree has no blossom, and there are no grapes on the vine. 
Even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle, cattle barns are empty. Yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He will make me as sure-footed as a deer and bring me safely over the mountains. In reading Habakkuk, we have verses uh, in chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by faith. Wicked people are characterized by the fact that they trust in themselves. They probably believe they can make their own way in the world under their own power. Most of us have experienced the sad consequences of such an attitude. God knows what is best for us. We can trust Him to lead us in the right way. Notice that being righteous does not depend on our own doing the right things. It has to do with trusting God. We can be righteous no matter how terrible our past by believing and following God's plans for us. Amen and amen. And with that hunger and that thirst that you have and I have, we, we are well on our way. Thank you, God, for our difficulties in life. We shall overcome. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, it says, The prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord, and I am filled with awe by the amazing things you have done. In this time of our deep need, begin again to help us as you did in years gone by. Show us your power to save us, and in your anger, remember your mercy. Habakkuk praised God not only for answering his questions, but also for the knowledge he has gained about the person of God. Habakkuk had come to realize how much his people needed God's discipline. So he acknowledged God's righteousness in their coming judgment. Then he looked past the coming punishment to a time of restoration. God's punishment of his people is always meted for the purpose of growth and blessing in the end, if we are willing to recognize our need for God and follow His good plans for us, we can experience the blessing God intended us to gain through our painful experience. My comment, I said, don't forget to, uh, to <clears throat> gratitude. I believe there's about three ways that God disciplines us. You know, as children, the Bible says in Proverbs, when uh, the innocent uh, pay attention how the the guilty are punished, like a sibling, then we learn from that. The other way we learn is from what we're doing right now, seeking and reading and allowing God's Word to change us. And as we go out through the day, we have the joy, we have His approval, His blessing, 
and we can feel it. Uh, a big dose of reading is what it requires for us to believe and be happy and joyful. A big dose of reading the Bible, not CNI, all these other murderers and things. And the third way is this way. You get pounded in the head financially, physically, mentally, socially, you know, um, chaos and, and guilt and frantic living, paycheck to paycheck. Come on now. <clears throat> we know the truth. The truth is in God's word. And doing Bible studies is the way to gain a more peaceful influential life because we influence people one of the problems is we may not giving our experience to others and we're going to the grave with our music so get in in any 12-step program any kind of 12 steps hospitals have 12-step programs for the people that are going to places all you got to do is listen and be compassionate any kind of uh, if you smoke a lot of marijuana there's marijuana anonymous If you gamble, there's Gamble Anonymous. If you have cocaine problems, meth, there's NA. Alcohol, AA. Overeating, Overcomers Anonymous. How about Sex Anonymous? There is is one. What I'm telling you is we need to be of service to the new people coming in. You have been warned I lost 15 years of resources and everything for not doing this one very subject I'm telling you about. I got, came into the Tostep program, got all the whistles and bells, houses, Mercedes-Benz, business, money in the bank. Who needs a Tostep program? Who needs to be working with these sad suckers, you know? Moral injustice and sinning all the time. Well, I needed that because that's where I came from. <laughs> Thank you, God, for smashing me like minced meat. When I came back, I was minced meat. <laughs> All right, enough of my ranting. Let's finish up here our Bible study. We're going to move over to chapter uh, 3 again. And 3 to 16 is remembering the powerful acts of God in the past can give us confidence in what God can do now and in the future. It is of immeasurable help to read what God has done in the lives of His people and to receive the encouragement that their examples and words can provide. For further reading, Romans 15 verse 4, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11, God's work in our lives can also be of great help to others. As we share how God has delivered us in the past, not only will others receive new hope, but we also will find encouragement by remembering what God has already done for us. And that's verses 3 to 16, which is easy to read. We can do this. It says, I see God, the Holy One, moving across the desert from Edom and Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heaven, and the earth is filled with His praise. What a wonderful God He is. Rays of brilliant light flash from His hands. 
He rejoices in his awesome power. Pestilence marches before him. Plagues follow close behind. When he stoops, when he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and level the eternal hills. But his power is not diminished in the least. I see the people of Kushan and Median trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You were commanding your weapons of power. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watch and tremble. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands to the Lord. The lofty sun and moon began to fade, obscured by the brilliance from your arrows and the flashing of your glittering spear. You marched across the land in awesome anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people, save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and laid bare their bones from head to toe. With their own weapons, you destroy those who rush out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel will be easy prey. You trample the sea with your horses, and the mighty waters pile high. I trembled inside when I heard all this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. In Habakkuk 17 and 19, chapter 3, Habakkuk's prayer came to a climax in a beautiful affirmation of faith. Though there would be hard times ahead, Habakkuk knew that he could trust in God to provide him with the strength he needed to persevere. The words of chapter 3, verse 19, provide a stunning picture of the sure-footed confidence we can have in our God of strength and safety, a great assurance for all who seek God. And they say, Even though the fig trees have no blossom and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He will make me as sure-footed as a deer and bring me safely over the mountain. Habakkuk, the big picture. Habakkuk was troubled by the evil he saw running rampant in Judah. He brought his honest concern to God, but was not prepared for God's answer. God planned to use the cruel and violent Babylonians to punish Judah. Judah, even with all her sin, was far more righteous than Babylon. How could God support Babylon's success while 
bringing destruction on Judah? Life is filled with such questions. Injustice is a familiar thing in our society. Often the bad guys seem to win. Why does God allow it? The words of Habakkuk's prophecy assures us that so matter, no matter what we face in life, God never changes his personality or his promises. His holy and loving character remains the same, even when everything seems to be falling apart. He will fulfill all the good promises of his word, even when our future seems to hold nothing but pain. God is powerful enough to use even the bad things in life to bring about his good will for us and his world. This prophecy is unique because the prophet never looked, took the role of God's spokesman. Instead, he recorded how God responded to his honest questions about life. God wants us to come to him with our questions and doubts. If we listen to God's reply, like Habakkuk, can can have our hearts stirred to a renewed trust and hope in God. God wants us to come to him again with our questions and doubts. Like, God, I don't understand this. Why, 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 why? Why Why don't you beat up my enemies, Lord? And, you know, I had a thought today. It came to me that uh, something about how to be tested. But further than that, deeper than that, it's, it's wonderful to be alive and to know you're God is in control, but boy, it sure takes a lot of failure to find out that God is in control. Ain't that right, gang? Okay, if we listen to God's reply, we, like Habakkuk, can have our hearts stirred to a renewed trust and hope in God. Habakkuk came to realize that remembering past displays of God's power would give him faith in God for future struggles. There's a problem. We don't spend enough time reading about God's victories, successes, and deliverances like, you know, uh, all over, you know, like Jericho, the walls falling down. The, they, they dug up holes and the water went in there and the enemy thought it was blood and they started fighting, you know, all these crazy events. The sun standing still for Joshua. Come on now. Woo! Uh, the Jordan one that we hardly don't hear about, that the priest came to the river, and as soon as they stepped the foot in the river, the waters piled up in a town called Adam, Adam, way up high, and they stopped flowing. And then the millions of people, how many they were, were able to, 600,000 to a million, were able to cross over. Um, isn't that a wonderful? If we read that, somehow we're made, we're engineered, to have faith and confidence for the future uh, and believe we have a creator and act like we have a creator and rejoice that we have a father who's in control. That element is not missing. The element of satisfying our father and being and being in good terms with our dad. It's, it's what we long for, our heavenly father and our earthly father and parents. Oh, can our hearts stir to a renewed trust and hope in God? Habakkuk came to realize that remembering past displays of God's power would give him faith in God for future struggles. This is part of the value of sharing our story of deliverance with others. As we remember how God has worked in our lives, we and others will be strengthened for the conflict yet to come. Amen. 
Okay, let me read the whole thing over again because I really chopped it up. I apologize. The big picture. This prophecy is unique because the prophet never took the role of God's spokesman. Instead, he recorded how God responded to his honest questions about life. God wants us to come to him with our questions and doubts. If we listen to God's reply, we, like Habakkuk, can have our hearts stirred to a renewed trust and hope in God. Habakkuk came to realize that remembering past displays of God's power would give him faith in God for future struggles. This is part of the valuable the value of sharing our story of deliverance with others. This is part of the value of sharing our story of deliverance with others. As we remember how God has worked in our lives, we and others will be strengthened for the conflicts yet to come. Did you hear that? As we share how God has delivered us. How many of us spend time sharing how God has delivered us? How God has poured resources and help and and ability. Everybody's crying for a new car. That's, God, you don't love me. I need a new car to get around. How am I going to go to work? I cannot take the bus. It'll take me an hour to get there. What am I going to do in the bus? Maybe read God's Word. Maybe you'll get exercise. Maybe you'll straighten your heart. Maybe I'll get to talk to somebody that's hurting. Yeah. What's the use, huh? I want a new car. Okay, spiritual renewal theme, the value of doubt. Habakkuk's prophecy centered around a question posed to God. We all have questions. They are part of life. We may not always find the answers, but God does not condemn us for asking them. Habakkuk felt the freedom to ask such questions of God. We have the same freedom. God cares about us. He can handle our complaints and, and, and amuses him when we fret and yell and scream, but at least we're in his palm of his hand. And we're like a little ant, <laughs> complaining to God. And he just looks at us and he loves us. Ah, oh, you poor little child. You Actually, he says, you rich little child, you have so many resources yet to teach you how to, how to activate them. Sounds good, huh? Habakkuk felt the freedom to ask such questions of God. We have the same freedom. God cares about us, and he wants us to come to him with our doubts. It is often during these times of doubt that our spiritual growth surges forward. In these times of honest confusion, we can seek God afresh. Ask him to help us see the truth while we still surrender our lives to him. Ask him to see the truth while we still surrender our lives to him. Okay, time to take a sip of tea. I got this real strong tea called Builder's Tea from England. I got a big giant mug and I put two of that and some green tea. Just to make sure I get my green greens in from that category uh, in my system. And it tastes good. Builder's Tea. Okay, the next that we're going to read is God Never Changes. Everyone experiences some hard times. By the way, I'm reading to you from the uh, Give Credit Where Credit is Due, Spiritual Renewal Bible, New Living Translation from Tyndale. 
New Living Translation. The Spiritual Renewal Bible is the one with all the notes. That's I'm reading to you the notes that come before the book of Habakkuk. And I said credit would do credit. It has my wife's maiden name on this Bible stamp, Ana Juarez. Hmm. Sorry, I went to the internet. Her last name has changed now. It's it's M, initial M. Took me a while to get that thing changed. Okay, everyone's experiencing some hard times. When we face those hard times, we can find a continual source of strength by pouring God's faithfulness to us in the past. The prophet Habakkuk was greatly encouraged as he remembered all that God had done for his people. Because God never changes. We can be confident that what he has done in the past, he will continue to do in the future. This is one of the reasons why sharing our story is so important. By telling others about what God has done for us, we give them a reason to believe that he can help them as well. God is our source of hope. Our hope must be built upon the foundations of our powerful and loving God. Because Habakkuk's hope was in God, he could patiently wait for God to bring the day of judgment against Babylon. We live, really live, by trusting God. Again, we live, really live, by trusting God. We will make progress spiritually as we improve our relationship with Him and seek His face each day. He is our strength and our place of safety. He is the basis for our hope for ongoing spiritual renewal. Okay. The next thing it says right here, the awe of God in Habakkuk 2.20. Habakkuk 2.20 says, uh, Habakkuk 2.20 says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Okay, we have to enlarge on this verse to bring it home to us. I do. That the Lord is in his temple. I once, like King David or Solomon or all the old prophets, used to see God sitting on his throne and watching us. And I got the chance of doing that. We were singing songs in a little church. And, uh, and the roof of the church opened up. And I saw little angels looking down on us, like with their hands on their chin, just like the way they, they paint them. And they're looking at us like we're, we're amusing them. And then it was Jesus, I wanted to say the Father God, Jesus, was sitting on this uh, throne, which was about, the throne must have been about 35,000 feet high. And his face was so high, like maybe, that, that it was covered with clouds. I couldn't see his face, but I could see his robe, his hands, his, the length of his robe sitting on a, a throne. And that throne was was kind of like block cement. It wasn't elaborate, you know. It was a, it was squared on the corners of the rest arms, and it looked it looked really hard, real tough. And he was stooping. You know what stooping? He was leaning forward and looking down inside us as we were worshiping and singing praises. I love that little church in the early '80s because of the praise and worship. It was magnificent. There was an Italian lady there with a piano and her, all her, her daughters and her son-in-laws and 
they would sing and praise God. They were loving God, and, and they got us into it. You know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful expression of life. Huh, you can tell I dug it. Okay, the point I'm making is God is watching us. If we, if we can see that he is bigger than our little world, and he's just there looking at us, he's watching our words and our conduct, First of all, it'll scare the heck out of us if, uh, I shouldn't say heck, that, that's a root, uh, part of the root word for how. So he will scare us if we will see him. And maybe get us in line, right? If we were able to see him. Okay, here we go. We live in a noisy world, whether it's the loud troubling of the neighbor's rock music or the incense dim of background noise. We are constantly assaulted by sound while some of this noise cannot be helped. Often, we use constant sound to hide ourselves from our true thoughts and feelings. Being cooped up in an elevator is uncomfortable. The music is used to distract people from their discomfort. Many public places such as restaurants and waiting rooms pipe in music so that people don't feel threatened by the silence. In a similar way, people often hide from God behind sound. Noise and activity cover the nagging sense that we ought to be paying more attention to our spiritual lives. Isn't that amazing? That right self is a miracle itself. And you know what I mean. It distracts us from worshiping God. But what happens when all noise is silence? Suddenly, there is nowhere to hide. That is why the prophet called calls all the earth to silence in times of judgment, as in Habakkuk 2.20. Habakkuk condemned those who foolishly worship idols. Their speechless idols could not help. They could not give guidance or direction or comfort or hope. Because of this, the people themselves were speechless, having nothing worthwhile to retaliate from their idols. Therefore, the whole earth is called to silence and reverence for the Lord who lives in his temple. Unlike those who worship idols, however, we need not fear silence, for we are free from judgment. After the initial moments of discomfort, silence can inspire a sense of awe of God's presence within us, like a whole hour of silence, like the half hour of silence in heaven before the great trumpet blast, Revelations 8.1, or the grand pause in Handel's Messiah, just before the final hallelujah of the hallelujah chorus, it allows us to center our attention on the Lord and prepares us for what He is about to do. As such silence becomes a resting time, a time of rest in the Lord, in quietness and confidence is your strength. Isaiah thirty fifteen. Okay, putting things into practice. What inspires your worship? Is it a favorite song or hymn, a favorite picture or painting, a special place? Listen to that piece of music, view that picture, or visit that place, and then be still, savoring the words of God that come to you in those moments. Do not strain for thoughts, but simply welcome the stillness as a gift and give it as a gift of praise. Did you hear me? Give it as a as a gift to God as a gift of praise, the stillness and the calmness. Wow, I haven't seen that one. Anyway, God bless you. I hope you enjoyed the spiritual disciplines of silence. 
Thank you. Thank you for being part of my life. Welcome to today's podcast. My name is Fernando, one of my favorite uh, minister guy from Australia. He, he preaches, talks, and heals people like no other person I've seen other than Benny Hinn and a few. Of course, I haven't seen them all, but power of God, the uh, simplicity of faith, simplicity of the, of the gospel, that Jesus went around every village preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease and casting out demons. You know, we're a world of infested with demons, so we got to get our glory on, the glory the Father gave us, which is the blessing. So, and let's keep it. We keep it through praise and worship and thanksgiving. Stay committed, stay excited, keep reading the word, stay with us. We are the body of Christ, we're the winners. Christ, our leader, our commander-in-chief, has done it for us. Let us thank him for his blood. Thank him for the sacrifice on the cross. He became our friend and healed us of all our diseases, sickness and diseases. I'd like to ask you to please listen up to Mark Heman that will be ministering to us. Appreciate his ministry. Here we go. Mark Heman. Sarah? You know, I've often said that one of the greatest blessings in life is is to come into the place of where you're sanctified and where you know what sin is and you've repented of it and you come into that joy of a changed life. Praise God. Truly the greatest miracle of all is, is to repent to have the Holy Spirit come, to be born again, to have your sins washed away. And, you know, the Bible says that, that sin uh, makes one a slave and enslaves people. And it's wonderful to be free. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. So, the title of my message is The Simplicity of Faith. The Simplicity of of faith. Faith says yes. Simple. Everyone say faith says yes. Sometimes uh, I've had people and they, they ask for prayer and I say, do you believe the Lord will do this? And then they give me this long-winded uh, excuse why they don't think they're going to be healed. Why they don't think anything's going to be ha- going to happen. Faith says yes. Yes to the promises of God. Yes to Jesus. All the promises of God are yes and amen. In Matthew 9, 27, there were two blind men. And it says, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house... The blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Many of you have come with a a difficulty, a problem, a challenge. Perhaps it's torment, a demon, or cancer, or some other issue. And I ask you the question that Jesus asks, Do you believe? 
do you believe that he can do this for you? Well, uh, the blind men, they said to him, yes, Lord. That was it. They've been, you know, perhaps blind all their lives, begging, what a life. And all they said was, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. The simplicity of faith. You know, you might look at your problem and the doctors might not have any answers and you look unto Jesus and you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The simplicity of faith. You know, faith is effective in the midst of crisis. Daniel, you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den? Daniel was thrown into a den of lions. And the king stayed up all night. He didn't eat. He didn't have his musicians. And he was all upset. And in the morning, he comes down to the lion's den and asks uh, Daniel. Uh, he says to him, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And uh, he, he responds, yes, and he's alive. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him. Now listen to this. Because he believed in his God. All night he's with the lions and none of them touched him simply because he believed in his God. We can be in circumstances, in crisis, in problems and we just keep our faith. We say, yes, Lord, and see how the Lord will deliver us. Did you know that your faith can impress God. You can have such a courageous faith that God marvels at your faith. And we read about this in Matthew 8, 7. Jesus says to the centurion that he's going to come and heal the servant. And the centurion answers and says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. And he says, just speak a word and my servant will be healed. And in verse 10, it says, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. You can impact heaven by your faith. And if you impact heaven with your faith, God will impact you with his power. Amen. You know, it's faith that pleases God. You shouldn't think that you'll get anything from God without faith. You've come today, the mere fact that you're in this meeting is because you have faith. You have faith to register for this meeting and God has seen your faith. And we can grow in our faith. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done to you. 
And so we can grow in our faith. And according to our faith, as it grows, it shall be done for us. You know that the person in doubt, well, I wish God would do it, but I don't believe he will. The Bible says that that type of person, the, the doubter, should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. Hebrews 11.5 is talking about Enoch and how the Lord took him before he died because his faith pleased him. But without faith, in verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith expresses itself through diligently seeking God, simply believing that he exists and I'm going to seek him. Make a decision in your heart. I'm going to believe. The simplicity of faith. Make a decision in your heart. I'm going to believe. And then persist in your faith. Psalm 27 verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Don't lose heart. Keep your faith. Keep your faith. We had a testimony of uh, Brent, I think his name is, uh, and they're often in, in our meetings, and Brent was told that he had to have his foot amputated, that there was no hope medically and he had this condition for a long time with a big swollen toe and he came to our intercessory prayer meetings even though we tell people we, we don't pray for healing this is intercessory time he still came with his wife and he came to the online meetings and he just wouldn't give up and the lord one day popped the the tumor and the the pus, the inflammation came out like a fountain <laughs> and uh, we have it's all history, we have the testimony on YouTube, but do not lose heart, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living some people say, well when I go to heaven I'll be healed of this or that in the land of the living God wants to manifest his goodness. Amen. You know, faith is like an atomic bomb. It's explosive. If you have, Jesus said, the faith of a mustard seed, like a mustard seed. Now, the mustard seed apparently was one of the smallest seeds. It's one of the smallest seeds in the land of Israel. It's so small that it's almost invisible to the eye. And, you know, it's like, like an atom. And he says, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots, be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. The simplicity of faith, just coming to that point of faith in your heart, believing, believing that God will do what he has promised to do. Amen. All 
night he's with the lions and none of them touched him simply because he believed in his God. We can be in circumstances, in crisis, in problems, and we just keep our faith. We say, yes, Lord, and see how the Lord will deliver us. Did you know that your faith can impress God? You can have such a courageous faith that God marvels at your faith. We read about this in Matthew 8, 7. Jesus says to the centurion that he's going to come and heal the servant. And the centurion answers and says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. And he says, just speak a word and my servant will be healed. And in verse 10, it says, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. You can impact heaven by your faith. And if you impact heaven with your faith, God will impact you with his power. Amen. You know, it's faith that pleases God. You shouldn't think that you'll get anything from God without faith. You come today, the mere fact that you're in this meeting is because you had faith. You had faith to register for this meeting and God has seen your faith. And we can grow in our faith. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done to you. And so we can grow in our faith and according to our faith as it grows, it shall be done for us. You know that the person in doubt, well, I wish God would do it, but I don't believe he will. The Bible says that that type of person, the, the doubter, should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. Hebrews 11.5 is talking about Enoch and how the Lord took him before he died because his faith pleased him. But without faith, in verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith expresses itself through diligently seeking God, simply believing that he exists and I'm going to seek him. Make a decision in your heart. I'm going to believe. The simplicity of faith. Make a decision in your heart. I'm going to believe. And then persist in your faith. Psalm 27 verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Don't lose heart. Keep your faith. Keep your faith. We had a testimony of uh, Brent, I think his name is, uh, and they're often in, in our meetings, and Brent was told that he had to have his foot amputated, that there was no hope medically and he'd had this condition for a long time 
with a big swollen toe. And he came to our intercessory prayer meetings, even though we tell people we, we don't pray for healing, this is intercessory time. He still came with his wife and he came to the online meetings and he just wouldn't give up. And the Lord one day popped the, the tumour and the, the pus, the inflammation came out like a fountain. <laughs> and uh, we have, it's all history. We have the testimony on YouTube. But do not lose heart. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Some people say, well, when I go to heaven, I'll be healed of this or that. In the land of the living, God wants to manifest his goodness. Amen. You know, faith is like an atomic bomb. It's explosive. If you have, Jesus said, the faith of a mustard seed, like a mustard seed. Now, the mustard seed apparently was one of the smallest seeds, one of the smallest seeds in the land of Israel. It's so small that it's almost invisible to the eye. And, you know, it's like, like an atom. And he says, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots, be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. The simplicity of faith, just coming to that point of faith in your heart, believing, believing that God will do what he has promised to do. Amen? You can move the screens on the back. Thanks, whoever's there. Faith is effective. Faith is effective. You know, we all want something that's effective. We, we don't want a dud, a placebo. You know, uh, they give people a drug and they give other people a placebo, knowing that a placebo won't do anything or won't help them, but it's a trial medical study. We don't want a placebo with God. We want something that will move God, something that's effective. And the wonderful thing about, about faith is that it is effective. You want to move God? Then move your heart in faith. Praise God. Faith works. Faith works. And it's very simple. You know, I was thinking about how the Lord and His wisdom, when He addresses humanity, you've got people who have very, very limited education. You've got people who've got very intellectual, got PhDs, doctors of this and that. And He wanted to ensure that a small child could access His glory and His power as well as a rich or intellectual person. And so He chose the heart and not the mind. He chose the heart. And he said, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, faith is in the heart. We believe in the heart, and we confess with our lips, and so we are saved. Praise God. So he made a way that anyone, anyone can believe. James 5.14 Is anyone among you sick? 
Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, it's effective. The prayer of faith, what will it do? will save the sick. And that word save in the Greek means salvation. You'll be totally saved. You'll be healed. You'll be delivered. You'll be forgiven. You'll get the whole package of the gospel. Faith. And the prayer of faith will, everyone say, save. Come on, say save. Saved. Will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if, this is, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And unless we have faith in our prayer, it's ineffective. Praise God. You know, we have the story of the death and dumb boy, a boy with a deaf and dumb spirit. And the and disciples of Jesus couldn't cast it out. And uh, so anyway, uh, have I got the right story? Yes. So uh, we're in Mark 9, 19. Sorry, I might have had a different story. Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be bear with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me then they brought him to him and when he saw him immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth the demon was manifesting so jesus asked the father how long has this been happening to him and he said from childhood and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him so it's like he's trying to convince jesus how bad this problem is but if you can do anything he says to jesus if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen. The prayer of faith is effective. The prayer of faith moves Jesus Christ in healing and deliverance. And faith, I believe, is very simple. When someone comes to you and they're sick, when someone comes to you, they need deliverance. Maybe they've got dementia. Maybe they've got cancer. You can believe the problem. Well, they're sick. They're going to die. Or you can believe in Jesus Christ. Very simple. Just make a choice in your heart what you're going to believe. And then pray according to your faith. Hallelujah. Immediately the father of the child cried out, and said with tears, Lord, I believe. He made that choice. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. So purify your heart of all doubt. If, if you have a crisis going on, perhaps it's a medical crisis, financial crisis, then every day purify your heart of all doubt, putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Mark 11, verse 22, Have faith 
in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Let's read it again. Assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, so the important thing is not only to speak to the mountain, but when you speak to the mountain, to believe in your heart that what you are saying is what God is doing right then. You understand me? You can pray great prayers of ministry. You can be very impressive in your praying, but God won't hear your prayers if there's no faith. If you're just talking the talk, Jesus said, don't babble like the Gentiles. Amen? Pray in faith. And you know, you can pray in faith sometimes without even talking. Hallelujah. When you believe in God, you say, Lord, you know, I believe that you exist. I believe that you are real. When you believe in God, something happens. It's called the fear of God. You, you're like, I believe in God. I believe in his word. And, and I have to repent because he's real. When you believe in God, it will lead you into repentance. Yeah, you know, sadly, you have people who call themselves Christians and their, you know, drunkenness, swearing, party spirit. They call themselves Christians. You go to their party and there's all this loud, ungodly, worldly music going on. If you believe in God, it will draw you into the fear of God, into His holiness, and you'll want to repent. In Jonah 3, 5, Jonah went to Nineveh and he preached that the people needed to repent and if they didn't, the judgment of God would fall. So the people, in verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them, including the animals. And it says they cried out to God and repented. In verse 10, then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God relented from a disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. Verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God. When you believe God, it will lead you into repentance. How can you say that you believe God and walk in sin? It makes no sense. To believe in God is to believe that He is holy. To believe God is to believe His Word from cover to cover calls us to repentance. Amen. You know, it is spiritual ignorance. Spiritual ignorance and sin abound where there is no faith. When people go to church and they don't believe, the end result is sin. It's the natural consequence of doubt. 
you look at most people who don't believe in Jesus and what you see is sin spiritual ignorance and sin but once you put your faith in Jesus Christ once you put your faith in him you want to read the word you want to spiritually inform yourself and you want to repent in Deuteronomy 32 verse 7 17 sorry it talks about the people of Israel that they sacrificed to demons and not to God to gods they did not know to new gods new arrivals that your fathers did not fear of the rock who begot you you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you and when the Lord saw it he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters and he said I will hide my face from them I will see what their end will be for they are a perverse generation children in whom is no faith Wow. These people had no genuine faith and therefore God's own sons and daughters, the people of Israel, were sacrificing to demons. True faith will lead you into holiness. Amen? Well, there's much more that could be said, but uh, I just want to summarize. The doubter will cause you to sink in life. Peter when he got out of the boat, began to sink because he doubted. The doubter, the Bible says, is condemned in what he says or does. You can look at, it um, says, Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Paul says, Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats. He's talking about if you take food offered to, to demons, to idols, and you eat it in doubt, you eat it to condemnation, so that curse may come into you. But if you eat that in faith, trusting God, uh, He will save you. So when you walk and talk in doubt, you can bring condemnation and judgment on yourself. But when you for example, Paul talks about eating and drinking the body and blood of Christ without reverence. To do, it, do so in ignorance can bring sickness upon yourself. To do so, to eat and drink in doubt is not to respect the emblems. So whatever we do and say in life, we should do so with a heart of faith. And faith is simple. Amen. The doubter is unstable. You know, there are winds in life, you know, demonic winds, problems. You know, you look at the natural circumstances, all these things happen. And the doubter is unstable. He's blown around by these winds. But the person who has faith in Jesus Christ and the promises of God, he is, un he is stable. His eyes are on Christ, even in the midst of the problems. Amen. Praise God. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Second Chronicles 20, 20. So whatever is your need today, establish yourself by faith in the promises of God and in Jesus Christ. And don't be moved by what you hear, feel, what people say. Amen. Praise God. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you agree, give him a wave. Give a wave to Jesus. 
Amen. So we're going to have a time of praying for people. And yeah, the Holy Spirit knows you're there. And the Lord will locate a few individuals. Um, and then everyone will have opportunity to be prayed for by the prayer helpers. And many of our testimonies come from, from people who are prayed for by prayer helpers. Okay, so whether I'm praying for you or someone else is praying for you, put your faith in Jesus. Everyone say, yes, Lord. Father, we just pray right now that, Lord, you guide us by your Holy Spirit and that, Lord, that you would heal everyone, everyone, everyone. Praise God. Yeah, before, I don't know, before the meeting or during the worship, I was seeing a child, a child, a child. If you've come because of a child, just lay your hands on the child right now in Jesus' name. If you, have, if you know a child that's not with you, perhaps live somewhere else, but just believe right now. Lord, we believe for your healing upon the children in Jesus' mighty name. Let them speak. Let their minds be healed. Evil spirits are coming out of children. Children who've been tormented. Children who, uh, who are full of anger and uh, who don't have their right mind. Be free in Jesus' mighty name. Blast them out, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, upon the children. Deliver them. Set them free right now. Of all sickness, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. All mental hindrance, Lord. All intellectual problems, Father. Difficulties in speech and hearing and understanding. All behavior problems. Be healed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. That's the power of God resting on children right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Give you glory, Lord. That's the Lord. Healing. Healing. It's like... I can see people's children's minds being awakened, being awakened. Children's minds that were uh, didn't understand their environment being awakened right now in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you and praise you, Father, for all the testimonies that we will hear of children that are healed. Hallelujah. Autism is a thing of the past. Thank you, Lord. Lord, all children who... Uh, are mentally deaf to what people are saying. Let their hearing, their ability to understand, Lord, be opened in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Someone say praise God. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Lucas, let's talk to Lucas for a moment. Hey, Mark. Hallelujah. Lord, I just pray for more upon Lucas right now. Just give him more. That's heaven coming down. Heaven coming down. Give him more, Lord. Give him more. Shall I not prosper the work of your hands? Lord, prosper the work of his hands. Lord, send your Holy Spirit upon him and prosper the Czech ministry, we pray. More, Lord. We pray for this nation, Lord. More, Lord. We pray for the nation, Lord. Give us this nation, Lord, the Czech Republic. Give it to us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. What do you feel happening? Oh, 
heaviness of Lord's presence and mighty, mighty touch. I receive it for the whole nation. Amen. Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Mark. Uh, down here, Rowan, tell us what your problem is. Oh, we are uh, oppressed in many ways, I, I guess, the whole family. Uh, there, there's so much, so it's what a country hard you to tell. Norway. 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 Yes. Did, did you deviate in your path when you were young, you know, back in the 1960s, 70s? Uh, yeah. What did I, you I do? Maybe unclean things sexually. Okay. But that, but, yeah, it must have been in the 70s, probably. In the 70s? It's a long time Yes, you know, it's a long time ago. But, yeah. But demons have been around for a long time. Yeah. So the human time aspect, I mean, what is a generational curse? It's, it's someone sinned maybe 200 years ago, and that, that sin through that demon is still affecting people now. The things that people do 30, 40, 50 years ago spiritually can still affect them, okay? All right, so I take it that you've repented of your past, sir. Is that right? Yeah. You've repented of your past, is that right? Yeah, I have. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I believe you're free. I believe you're free. Thank you. Adita Zoom. Let's talk to you, Adita. Look at me, Adita. What, what's happening, Adita? Um, I, I, um, I have um, pain very much in my stomach and something here, like not coming out. And, and what do you feel happening right now? I'm shaking. It's the power of God on you, Adita. That's heaven coming, come, has come into your room. Heaven is coming to your room. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we command this thing out. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. There it goes. It's coming out. It's coming out. It's coming out. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, it's coming out of your mouth. It's coming out. It's coming out. Put your hand on your tummy and say, in the name of Jesus, all of you, out. There it goes, there it goes, there it goes, there it goes. I believe you're free. Father, we believe that you lead us by your Holy Spirit. Mitchell Shook, you've been located by the Holy Spirit. Welcome, sir. Hi. What would you like from the Lord? Um, it's a great question. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I've fallen away from God a bit. I used to be on fire, and I felt like I lost that fire. Can I help you? Will you let me help you? Yes. So, was there a sin through which you lost your fire? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I believe the Holy Spirit is really, really inviting you to talk about what happened. 
Yeah. Um, definitely, like, through lust. I feel like uh, lust has had a strong hold on me for a long time. So what? So when you lost your fire, what happened? Um, just started getting doubts a lot. Started not believing as much. Just not believing for anything. Getting depressed, things like that. So when you got depressed, is that did you go into pornography or fornication or what happened? Yeah, um, e everything. Uh, yeah, pornography, um, the eating a lot, trying to make myself feel happier. Yeah, the devil's a liar. Mitchell, the devil's a liar. God loves you. Um, so we can see how the devil operates. He, he brings confusion, doubt, depression, which is a spiritual attack. And then he, he brings temptation to try to, you know, the person's feeling miserable because it's an oppression of the enemy. Then he brings temptation to get you to fall into sin so he can get you. <laughs> He's a liar, isn't he? Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. Mitchell, God loves you. God loves you. So do you repent of this lust? Yeah, of course. Yes, I repent. Um, are you married? Are you single or what? Uh, I'm about to be married in a few months, in June. Mm. So, you don't want to go into, into this marriage with an addiction? No. So this is, I believe, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit's bringing it up to the surface. Because when the Holy Spirit exposes stuff, it brings freedom. Because the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. That's what's happening right now. That you might be healed. You might be set free of this. And you might have a blessed marriage. All right. Let's all reach out our hands to Mitchell. Lord, we believe that you set him free. Save him from his sin. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, that he be permanently saved from all sexual addiction. In Jesus' name. And that you restore your fire to him. That's his presence coming upon you, Mitchell. That's his presence coming upon you. In Jesus. That's his presence. His presence. I believe he's given you peace of mind. Peace of mind. And joy in the marriage. You're free. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't the Lord good? Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go to Dijon. Rankovic. So what do you want prayer for now, brother? Uh, we want to pray for a, a little kid. He's have a problem with kidney. Oh. He's dying. Yes, I feel that there's, there is a, an anointing for healing of kidneys. He's on meeting now. Yes, uh, he's on meeting now, but uh, uh, mother don't speak English, and uh, she's in Austria. That's fine. That's fine. We distance is not a barrier with God. Amen. Praise God. I'm gonna ask Sarah to come up, and uh, we're gonna pray for this this baby. 
We command the spirit of death come out of him. In Jesus' mighty name, spirit of death, loose your grip from the boy. In Jesus' mighty name. Come out of him. Come out of his kidneys. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We believe, Father, this boy is restored. Lay hands on the boy, Sarah. We believe, Lord, this boy is restored and made whole. Let one pray. Thank you, Lord. That's the power of God going into the boy. Thank you, Lord, for a miracle. A miracle. A miracle. We pray, Lord, for the kidneys, for the left kidney. Left kidney, come alive, come alive in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We believe he's okay. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Amen, all the time. Great to see you. Great to see you. My, my, uh, my sister in Christ, she has a cancer in stomach. We can pray Stomach her. cancer. Hmm. Stomach cancer. Okay, what does the doctor say? She has water, she has water on stomach and uh, on the on cancer. Uh, she, uh, diagnosis is very bad because uh, it, it shows uh, cancer. The lady got healed, she got restored. Number four, have a cigar. I looked down again at the slip of paper where I had written my visit. Dean... Three, Thompson's Yard, Old Dog Ill. There were a lot of these yards in Derby. They were, in fact, tiny streets like pictures from Dickens' novel. Some of them opened off the marketplace and many more were scattered behind the main thoroughfares in the old part of town. From the outside, you could see only an archway and it was always a surprise to me to go down a narrow passage and come suddenly upon the uneven rows of little houses with no two alike, looking into each other's windows across eight feet of cobbles. In front of some of the houses, a strip of garden had been dug out of and marigolds and nastutertiums straggle over the rough stones. But as far in, the houses were in tumble-down condition, and some were abandoned with their windows boarded up. Number three was down at this end and looked as though it wouldn't be able to hold out much longer. The flakes of paint quiver on the rotten wood of the door as I knock. Above the outer wall bulged dangerously on either side of a long crack in the masonry. A small white-haired man answered. His face pinched and lined with, was enlivened by a pair of cheerful eyes. He wore a much darned woolen cardigan patch, trousers, and slippers. I come to see your dog, I said, and the old man smiled. Oh, 
I'm so glad you come, sir, he said. I'm getting a bit worried about the old chap. Come inside, please. He led me into the tiny living room. I'm alone now, sir. Lost my missus over a year ago. She used to think the world of the old dog. The grim evidence of poverty was everywhere. In the worn-out lino, the fireless earth, the dank, musty smell of the place, the wallpaper hung away from the damp patches, and on the table, the old man's solitary dinner was laid. A fragment of bacon, a few fried potatoes, and a cup of tea. This was life on the old age pension. In the corner on a blanket lay my patient, a crossbreed Labrador. He must have been a big, powerful dog in his time, but the signs of age showed in the white hairs round his muscle and the pale opacity in the depths of his eyes. He lay quietly and looked at me without hostility. Getting on a bit, isn't he, Mr. Dean? A, he is at nearly 14, but he's been like a pup galloping about until these last few weeks. Wonderful dog that he is, his age-old Bob. He never offered to bite anyone in his life. Children can do anything with him. He's my only friend now. I hope you'll soon be able to put him right. Is he off his food, Mr. Dean? Yay, clean off. And that's a strange thing because by gum he could eat. He always sat by me and put his head on my knee at mealtimes but he hasn't been doing it lately. I looked at the dog with growing uneasiness. The abdomen was grossly distended, and I could read the telltale symptoms of pain. The catch in the respirations, the retracted commissures of the lips, the anxious preoccupied expression in the eyes. When his master spoke, the tail thumped twice on the blankets, on a momentary interest show in the white old eyes, but it quickly disappeared and the blank inward look returned. I passed my hand carefully over the dog's abdomen. Acetes was pronounced and the dropsical fluid had gathered till the pressure was intense. Come on, old chap, I said, let's see if we can roll you over. The dog made no resistance as I eased him slowly onto his other side. But just as the movement was completed, he whimpered and looked around. The case of trouble was now only too easy to find. I palpated gently. Through the thin muscle of the flank, I could feel a hard corrugated mass, certainly a splenic of or hepatic, hep, hepatic carcinoma, enormous and completely inoperable. I stroked the old dog's head as I tried to collect my thoughts. This wasn't going to be easy. Is he going to be ill for a long time? The old man asked, and again came the thump-thump of the tail at the sound of the loved one's voice. It's miserable when Bob isn't following me around the house when I'm doing my little jobs. I'm sorry, Mr. Dean, but I'm afraid this is something very serious. You see, this large swelling, it is caused by an internal growth. You mean cancer? The little man said faintly. 
I'm afraid so, and it has progressed too far for anything to be done. I wish there were something I could do to help him, but there isn't. The old man looked bewildered and his lips trembled. Then he's going to die? I swallow hard. We really can't just leave him to die, can we? He is in some distress now, but it will soon be an awful lot worse. Don't you think it would be kindness to put him to sleep? After all, he's had a good long innings. I always aim at a brisk matter-of-fact approach, but the old clinches had an empty ring. The old man was silent. Then he said, just a minute, and slowly and painfully knelt down by the side of the dog. He did not speak, but ran his hand again and again over the gray muscle and the ears while the tail thumped, thumped, thumped on the floor. He knelt there a long time while I stood in the cheerless room, my eyes taking in the faded pictures of the walls, the frayed, grimy curtains, and the broken springed armchair. At length, the old man struggled to his feet and gulped once or twice without looking at me. He said huskily, All right, will you do it now? I feel the syringe and said the things I always say. You needn't worry. This is absolute painless, plain painless. Just an overdose of an anesthetic. It is really an easy way out for the old fellow. The dog did not move as the needle was inserted, and as the barbiturate began to flow into the vein, the anxious expression left his face and the muscles began to relax. By the time the injection was finished, the breathing had stopped. Is that it? the old man whispered. Yes, that is it, I said. He is out of his pain now. The old man stood motionless, except for the clapping and unclasping of his hand. When he turned to face me with his eyes were bright. That's right. We couldn't let him suffer, and I'm grateful for what you've done. And now, why do I owe you for your services, sir? Oh, that's all right, Mr. Dean, I said quickly. It's nothing, nothing at all. I was passing right by here. It was no trouble. The old man was astonished. But you can't do that for nothing. Now, please say no more about it, Mr. Dean. As I told you, I was passing right by your door. I said goodbye and went out of the house through the passage and into the street. In the bustle of people, in the bright sunshine, I could still see only the stark little room, the old man and his dead dog. As I walked towards my car, I heard a shout behind me. The old man was shuffling, exciting me towards me in his slippers. His cheeks were streaked and wet, but he was smiling. In his hand, he held a small brown object. You've been very kind, sir. I, I got something for you. He held out an object, and I looked at it. It was a tattered, but just recognizable as a precious relic of a bygone celebration. Go on, go on, it's for you, the old man said. Have a cigar. This incident, which happened so early in my veteran career, haunted me for many weeks afterwards, and it still remains as one of my most vivid and poignant memories. Putting old people's precious pets to sleep is sadly a common duty in veterinarian practice. 
and the fact that it can be done humanly and peacefully with barbiturates makes it tolerable. But there was something about the Mr. Dean episode that made it stand out, and I remember it as the very first time I said to myself, if I ever write a book, I'll put that in. Maybe it was the cigar. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Welcome to today's podcast, <clears throat> reading today from Faith to Faith, Kenny Copeland. Here we go. Make Hell Tremble by Gloria Copeland. First John 3 a. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Is the devil giving you fits today? Is he causing you trouble for you at every turn? If so, turn the tables on him. Start making him miserable by for a change. You have the power to do it. You know, you have the power residing in you to destroy his works, to heal, to deliver, to set the captive free. You have so much power in you that every time your alarm clock goes off, the devil should wail. Oh, not that troublemaker is up again. A few years ago, I got a letter from a little girl who had attended one of my healing services in Los Angeles. Although she was far too young to understand theology or anything like that, the Lord gave her a very simple and profound revelation as she watched people being healed. She said that as she looked up at the platform, she couldn't see me at all. She just saw Jesus, and she also saw a devil. Do you know what the devil was doing? He was lying on the floor crying. This can't be, this can't be, this can't be. Right now, at this very moment, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ is at work within you. And it is not just there to get you to heaven someday is there so you can give the devil a fit right here on earth. It's there so you can build the kingdom of God now while there is still time. Line up with God's word and his will for your life. Let the anointing of Jesus go forth from within you. All of hell will tremble and you will never be quite the same again. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the sword of the Spirit. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. We are triumphant in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The devil is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We are more than conquerors through Christ that loves us. Greater is he, Jesus, that is in us, than he that is in the world. No weapon from against us will prosper. But whatever we do will prosper in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
July 18th. Gloria Copeland, a legend on your own mind. Romans 12.3 For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Do you want to know one of the secrets of staying in the will of God? Of keeping yourself from getting off track? Don't overestimate yourself. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. How many times have we seen that borne out? How many times do we see believers get in trouble because they get an overblown idea of themselves? They begin to think they're so smart that they have it all figured out. Then the next thing you know, they're thinking they have to straighten everyone else out instead of of just letting Jesus be the head of the church. They feel like they have to step in and do the job. Once again, once this happens, it's just a matter of time before they're flat on their faces in failure. Why? Because the Bible says, God resists the proud, 1 Peter 5, 5. Don't put yourself in a position where God has to resist you. Rate your own abilities soberly. Adopt an attitude of humility. Keep a watch on yourself. And when you catch yourself getting puffed up with your own greatness. Repent and remember that every good thing you enjoy and every bit of success you had has come by the grace of God and by His power and kindness. Look back on your life and see how many times you could have lost what God has given you. See how many times when you were floundering around making every mistake imaginable His tender and precious mercy pulled you through. Don't become a legend in your own mind. Instead, humble yourself beneath the mighty hand of God and let God do the exalting that prevents some very painful falls. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father God. We worship you. We praise you. We exalt you. Thank you for all the good things you have brought in our lives. Thank you, Lord God, for our homes, our residents. Thank you for our immune system, our health. Thank you, Lord, that you cover us and you carry us, Lord. Thank you, Father in heaven, for this sober life. We give you praise and thanksgiving for giving us your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We exalt you, Jesus. Amen. Gracias por venir hoy al estudio, Julio 17. Haga temblar al infierno, por Gloria Copeland. Fe a fe. El que practica el pecado es del diablo, porque el diablo peca desde el principio. Para esto apareció el Hijo de Dios para deshacer las obras del diablo. Primero Juan 3.8 ¿Está el diablo lanzándole ataques hoy? ¿Le está acusando problemas a cada rato? Si es así, cambia la situación. 
comience a hacerlo sentir mal, pues usted tiene el poder. En usted reside el poder para destruir sus artimañas y para sanar, rescatar y liberar a los cautivos. Usted tiene tanto poder que cada vez que su despertador suene, el diablo debería lamentarse, diciendo, ¡Oh no! Ese alborotador se va a levantar otra vez. Hace algunos días recibí la carta de una niña que había asistido a una de mis reuniones de sanidad en Los Ángeles. Aunque era demasiado joven para comprender la teológica, el Señor le dio una revelación muy simple y profunda. Mientras veía a la gente ser sanada, ella dijo que cuando vio así la plataforma, no podía verme a mí. Solo veía a Jesús y también al diablo. ¿Sabe lo que el diablo estaba haciendo? Estaba acostado en el piso, llorando y diciendo, esto no puede ser, esto no puede ser, esto no puede ser. Ahora mismo, en este precio momento, el poder del Señor Jesucristo está obrando en su interior. Y no está allí tan solo para llevarle al cielo algún día. Está allí para que él le pueda lanzar al diablo un ataque aquí sobre la tierra. Está allí para que usted pueda construir el reino de Dios ahora, mientras todavía haya tiempo. Alíñese a la palabra y a la voluntad de Dios para su vida. Deje que la unción de Jesús fluya de su interior. Todo el infierno temblará y usted nunca más será el mismo. Vamos a orar. Aleluya, aleluya, aleluya. Padre celestial, te damos gracias, Señor. Gracias por la sangre de Jesucristo. Gracias por la victoria que Jesucristo nos avanzó en la cruz. Gracias por la cruz. Gracias que Jesús murió por nuestros pecados. Aleluya. Gracias, Señor, que ahora somos vencedores en Cristo Jesús. El diablo está derrotado. Las enfermedades están afuera de aquí en el nombre de Jesucristo. Aleluya. Somos samos. Somos fuertes por Cristo Jesús. Estamos ricos. Aleluya. Somos santos. La justicia de Dios. La Justicia de Jesús es de nosotros. Amén. Amén. Julio 18. Una leyenda en su propia mente. Por Gloria Copeland. Digo pues por la gracia que me ha dado a cada cual que está entre vosotros que no tenga más alto concepto de sí que el que debe tener, sino que piense de sí con cordura conforme a la medida de fe que Dios repartió a cada uno. Romanos 2.3 ¿Quieres saber uno de los secretos para permanecer en la voluntad de Dios y no apartarse de sus caminos? 
No tenga más alto concepto de sí. En Proverbios 16, 18 tenemos antes el quebrantamiento es la soberbia. Y antes de la caída, la altivez de espíritu. ¿Cuántas veces no hemos visto eso cumplirse? ¿Cuántas veces no hemos visto a creyentes meterse en problemas porque se creen más de lo de la cuenta? Empiecen a creer que son tan listos que lo tienen todo resuelto. Y el próximo paso que dan es creer que deben poner a todos los demás en orden. En vez de dejar que Jesús sea la cabeza de la iglesia, creen que deben intervenir y hacer su trabajo. Una vez que eso sucede en cuestión de tiempo, antes de que ellos fracasen por completo, ¿por qué? Porque la Biblia declara que no Dios resiste a los orgullosos. Primero de Pedro 5.5 no se ponga en una posición donde Dios tenga que resistirse. Clasifique sobriamente fue habilidades. Adapte una actitud de humildad. Cuídese de sí mismo. Así se le, así se da cuenta de que se está creyendo mucho. Arrepiéntase y recuerde que todo lo bueno que un que usted disfruta y cada parte del éxito que ha tenido proviene de la gracia de Dios y de su poder. Traiga a la memoria las veces en que pudo haber perdido lo que Dios le había dado. Recuerde las muchas veces en que cometió todos clases de errores. Para la ternura y la misericordia de Dios le ayudaron. No se convierta en una leyenda en su propia mente. En lugar de eso, humíllese bajo la poderosa mano de Dios y deje que Dios haga la exaltación que previene las caídas dolorosas. Amén. La palabra de Dios. Welcome to today's reading. I'm Fernando. I am in recovery. Recovering from alcohol. July 17th. Surrender and self-examination. Daily reflections. Reading for today. My stability came out of trying to give, not out of demanding that I receive. Thus, I think it can work out with emotional sobriety. If we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root of it is some unhealthy dependency and its consequent unhealthy demand. Let us, with God's help, continually surrender these hobbling demands. Then we can be set free to live and love. We may then be able to 12-step ourselves and others into emotional sobriety. The Language of the Heart, page 238. Years of dependency on alcohol as a chemical mood changer deprived me of the captivity to interact emotionally with my fellows. I thought I had to be self-sufficient, self-reliant, and self-motivated in a world of unreliable people. Finally, I lost my self-respect and was left with dependency. 
lacking any ability to trust myself or to believe in anything. Surrender and self-examination while sharing with newcomers helped me to ask simply, humbly for help. The language of the heart, page 238. July 18, grateful for what I have. During this process of learning more about humility, the most profound result of all was the change in our attitude towards God. 12 says in 12 traditions, page 75. Today, my prayers consist mostly of saying thank you to my higher power for my sobriety and for the wonder of God's abundance. But I need to ask also for help and, and the power to carry out his will for me. I no longer need God each minute to rescue me from the situation I get myself into by not doing His will. Now my gratitude seems to be directly linked to humility. As long as I have the humility to be grateful for what I have, God continues to provide for me. As long as I have the humility to be grateful for what I have, God continues to provide for me. Amen. Let's go ahead and uh, recite the 11 steps. It says, uh, sought to have. How does it go? Uh, 11 step. We pray for his will and the power to do his will. Amazing. Saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will and the power to carry that out. And I believe God wants us to have fun, to be clear and, and acknowledge him in the meetings. Um... Just like it says right here, real simple, saying thank you to my higher power for my sobriety and thank you for the wonder of God's abundance. Everything I need, I, ha I get, and everything I get, I, verily, that's what I needed all the time. In Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs>